This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Cora. And we're going to talk about The Venom Business by John Lang, a.k.a. Michael Crichton. Uh, the worst Michael Crichton novel I've read. Sad story. Oh, Jesse, you are lucky this is the worst Michael Crichton. I wouldn't right? say it's the worst. It's not, it's, uh, it's, pro- it's probably the worst of the Lang books I've read. But, uh, it's definitely it's the worst Crichton of the Lang books. books. <laughs> it's yeah, definitely yeah. the worst of the Lang books. Uh, yeah. number one problem. Did you this one first? Yes. What's, what's no, the number one problem this book has? What's the number one problem? If you can only have uh, one problem to complain about, what's its number one problem? I, I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to channel my friend Jesse Wills. It's too long. It yeah. is too long. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Cora, is that the number one problem this book has? Um, it's yeah, it's too long because it's mm. badly padded, and also ninety percent of the padding are random sex scenes. So. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's a lot of sex scenes, like compared to Easy Go, where there's like a couple or uh, at least Easy Go, they feel a little more binary. There's no sex scenes, right? Binary has no sex at all. I think binary only has a single female character in it. And And I have no problem with a sex scene, but this one has a lot. But that's not the biggest problem. I I agree, it is too long and and padded makes sense too. It's annoying because most of the characters are fucking horrible assholes you don't want to be around like why what was he thinking when he wrote this book he was thinking of the money i guess i i think <laughs> i think he was okay, i honestly think he was thinking of the money because yeah none of the people are uh, most of them who, almost who no one is who, really likable who, here who are we supposed to sympathize with in this book well our, our hero our hero yeah, who we yeah, start i with. don't i don't Charles, he's also not very likable. <laughs> no, 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 nobody's really, really likable. But the the serious problem I think this ha this has is he was being very ambitious. I think he was he was like he was trying to make a big book, and all the other ones are like fast and simple and cool and you know Sweet. delightful to eat. Even though there's like despicable characters here and there. This is like a murder mystery where you're waiting for the murder to happen. <laughs> you're waiting and you're come on, when are they going to kill this asshole? <laughs> nope, they're not, I haven't killed him yet. When are they going to kill this fucker? What's the uh, three chapters from the end or something that he finally gets Not killed. even. It's very close to the, very it's, close uh, to the it's end. Very, it's, it's very short to be almost two seconds. It's very short to be. Because I was like, okay, okay. when's going to kill... Also, it's weird because it starts off as Indiana Jones. It's oh, yeah, it starts, it's really starts, good. A, starts awesome. The, the, the Mexico stuff is really good. It starts off Terrific. as kind of Indiana Jones and then suddenly it turns into Agatha Christie or rather it's not Edgar Wallace is more the comparison. Yes, Edgar, yes it's very it's Edgar, Edgar Wallace-y. Wallace-y. Out into Edgar Wallace and yes. it's just uh, weird. Good call. <laughs> I wouldn't mind re- reading either, but uh, but um, Indiana Jones turning into Edgar Wallace uh, is in- Actually, I was trying to imagine who would play the roles if this was one of the German Edgar Wallace movie adaptations. There's been over 30 of them made in the 1960s and early 70s. No, late 50s to early 70s. So exactly the period. And 
This is what it most reminded me It'd of. It'd be the Walter Matthau. <laughs> yeah. You would, have to, you would have to have the German actors from the German Edgar Wallace. Oh, okay. uh, so you would have to be have people that was like, okay, okay, who would play, play which character? Who would? So I was, I was kind of busy with, with who was who would be, be whom. But it's, uh, yes, it's, uh, it feels a bit like that. And neither is good, but it's kind of, it just takes this weird, uh, weird sharp turn turn about um well it's maybe a quarter as soon as as soon as he's off the plane and he's releasing the snakes i'm like this book's gonna be great right like the whole up to that point and then he goes to the party and i'm like what yeah what no and then so and then he then then uh what's his richard pierce shows up and yeah and richard pierce is is like one of the worst characters you want to ever spend time with just horrible he's terrible like full of I, I, resentment. I, mean, I was, I was, I was kind of hoping. It's terrible. We said I was ho- kind of hoping Rupert was going to die. Richard, I, I, Richard Pierce. Yeah, I was, ho- I was, ho- I was hoping it's like okay, maybe they actually will. They, 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 I they, wish they, they would they, kill they, him they, off, and they fucking yeah, wait yeah. until the end. <laughs> the, 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 the spot will actually happen, and soon, yes. Because he's, it is, it's very much like an Agatha Christie before the the detective comes in. Right. There's all these plots, all these people who are conspiring against each other. And every time we think, oh, well, the story is going to get cooking pretty soon. The actual plot is going to get cooking. He introduces a new person. (laughs) And they're like, they've got, oh, where'd this black guy come from? Oh, well, he's, he's a doctor. And then the cat's shit. And like, everybody in this book is pretty, pretty horrible. Yeah, well, let's see. Our main character is ostensibly a snake handler, but he's really a smuggler. That's, I'm fine with that. That's cool. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just going through it. Uh, Rupert is um is a. You're saying about... Rupert? You mean like, Richard? Richard. Richard. Why do I keep saying Richard? Richard. I don't know. Oh, no, I keep saying Rupert because like I was, I was reading tweets about um, Prisoner of Zendis, so Rupert's on my brain. Rupert Hensow yeah, is a much it's, funner it's, character. It's, it's, yes, it's, exactly. So, so yeah, so Richard, Richard is a layabout. Who's trying to bootstrap his company into getting that channel tunnel contract, which seems actually, awful. Uh, I looked it up because I was I was surprised, but there was actually a contract signed in 1964 to build the channel. I mean, there have been plans for channel tunnel for yeah, since the 19th, since the 19th century. century. Signed a contract in 1964 between France, France and England to build uh, or the UK to build the channel tunnel, but the but then the the next phase of of observations and I think they already got started building and then in the 1970s the UK unilaterally cancelled the contract. Typical the UK move. And they didn't get started again until the 80s. So that's and, why it took so long to build. Mm-hmm. And, and now here's here's a weird side note for you. So in um in high school I had a teacher who who prophesized that England would never build the Channel Tunnel. This was never. in the late 80s. Never, never, <laughs> never. Because, he, because he didn't think that England was or should be part of Europe, which feels, <laughs> well, 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 they built the tunnel. Well, but now, they now, but the don't think Brexit. that either, or at least some of them. <laughs> yeah, but, but now the whole Brexit thing feels like, well, maybe my teacher had a point in some weird way, in a weird way, that my teacher had a point about England and Europe. But yeah, of course, they eventually did build the tunnel, but... Which which would wrong with now this whole Brexit thing is? Well, I guess my teacher's. I mean, he was totally then, so maybe he's in the grave now. I have no idea. He's laughing. If he's alive or dead, he's laughing right now about <laughs> the Brexit thing, which I think just think is funny. Uh, the terrible teachers usually live forever. It seems to me. 
That's me. My, my worst teacher is still alive. Alive. I never ran in, uh, that I never ran into him again because I, I of the company get an eyeful. Yeah, I, I had, how I had a, an earful of how terrible he was. <laughs> I had a math teacher in middle school who was in her eighties and she passed away in the middle of term. So but she was like in her eighties and like Yeah, we had some very, very old we had yeah. uh, in primary school I, I we had I had a woman, lady who was in her in her seventies and she'd actually she had she had started teaching in the nineteen thirties or something. Oh lord. Something. Yeah. She'd been there forever. And also she, which I learned later, she had been, she had been very, very young when she started. She didn't even, because they had some kind of fast track program for, for female elementary school, uh, school teachers in the 1930s. So she was like about 16 or 17 when she started teaching and she was there, there until her seventies, until she finally, finally retired. Frau, Miss, Frau Herbst. She was, oh yes, no, she was married actually, because she had a daughter. So, I says, but her husband uh, apparently had taken one look at Frau Herbst and died of shock. Because she was, <laughs> yeah, she was scared. Frau Herbst was very, very scary. I, and she, I, she apparently apparently bullied her poor daughter, the poor daughter who had to wait on her wait on her hand and foot. Well, so, she's getting her comeuppance in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, Everybody's yeah, knowing yeah. exposed. I heard she's dead. She's been dead for a long time now because she was a. <laughs> I have a memory from our previous shows on Michael Crichton, John Lang books. Yeah. That, um, the character who was the lead in Easy Go was also named Pierce. Is that correct? I don't know. I think so. I have to show a look. I think it was. I I, I remembered. Check my notes. uh, I haven't, you know, I haven't looked at the, uh, oh, here's Binary. Oh, no, that's, yeah. Yeah, Binary is such a clean book (laughs) compared to this. Um, And, you know. No, no. uh, um, Easy Go has Harold Barnaby and, yes, Robert Pierce. Oh, my God. So Robert Barnaby. He's a writer who's between jobs and looking for excitement. Barnaby is is our. our equivalent of black here, I think. The narrator uses a similar voice. He's the rich guy, elderly guy who gets excited about whatever, right? And he's introduced yeah. later. So yeah, Pierce is a name, obviously, that he's he's using again because he likes the the name. He, but, he likes the name. But uh also you notice his first name is Richard. So he's Dick Pierce, hence all the sex. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> honestly, um, it it's like like I, I I like sex in a book. Not like this. This is horrible. Like he's like a lusting machine that's abusive. Like why did he make him so horrible? Only thing I can yeah, think I mean, of is I, we're so we're actually, supposed to be rooting for his death. Uh because I mean uh real life playboys, even in the sixties when when uh People like Gunther Sachs, for example, the, the German industrialist. I mean, he really wasn't that, 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 he had this, this playboy reputation. I think he really, he was, uh, he was married, I think, I think three times and, and one wife, the first wife died, the second, the third one survived him and he had a short marriage with Brigitte Bardot and it was not unhappy. So he really wasn't, but, uh, I can't really imagine Gunther Sachs being like this, this terrible Richard Pierce guy who, well, also, um, I mean, uh, he seems to, he sees women more or less like, like, well, sex dispensing machines. In the morning, they have to be gone. Yeah. He's uh, just, uh, he's just a terrible uh, jerk. I think he's also, like, uh, here's my guess. Um, 
I think Michael Crichton knew somebody like this. Yeah, he th- might have not. I think, a do- it I might think, have been someone. And thinking about like one of the one of the things as a doctor, you get you don't get a lot, but as any and there's a lot of doctors in this book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously he was training as a doctor. Um, yeah. Is you get a little bit of psychology, right? Well, I mean, we have a psychologist as a as a, as a major character. Yeah. I, I mean, he's he's, he's psychiatrist and psychiatrist, surgeon, like, right? Um, yeah. But he's obviously, you know, Michael Crichton. His interests show up. Uh, I was hoping this would be a lot more about snake venom, and it's a lot less about that than it is about human venom. Um, yeah. But he's yeah. using it as a metaphor. Um, you know, the name one of the name of one of the later chapters is the venom business, even though that's right. the whole book as well. Um, and so he has he's created a character that has this backstory, and the backstory is his parent, his father died. He was adopted. He liked his his adopted father. We're told in one respect. We get uh, we get we get contradictions on that. That's though. right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. It's a lot of contradictions. The father loved him, but he hated him. So yeah. Yes. It depends on whether you trust the terrible wife or the terrible. Well, terrible that's I think. Yeah, I'm not sure who gets sure who did. Well, <laughs> I think I think the reason it's like this is he's actually relating uh, real experiences of people hanging out with rich people who have trust funds, and there's a lot of trust funds in this book. So mm-hmm. we don't really have a great main character because about halfway through, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Charles uh, Renault. Charles Renault, yeah. Charles Renault. A main character. Yeah, who also has multiple names, right? He's got multiple mm-hmm. passports, but that's his real name. We get his backstory is like, oh, he, he failed out of Yale. He was in the army. He learned languages. So he's our he's our typical awesome hero character we get in other John Lang books, who are also flawed, right? Um, in binary, we've got a flawed character. This psychology is all over the page. It reminded me of the, the easy go. The easy yes. go is, I think, the, the closest that he reminded yeah. me of. So, but yes. he was a mix between the journalist character and the, the archaeologist That's character. That's right. And he, so he's, he's everybody in a certain sense, but I think that this, this is like, if you've spent a lot of time around rich people, which I, I've not spent a lot of time, but I think about the incidents <laughs> that happen. Um, it fucks you up. It fucks you up in ways that, uh, are caused by, uh, the relationship between power and money and what money can do to, to make people do what you want. And so we've got a, a rich guy who adopts a friend's son. He has a, st- uh, a, a wife who's the stepmother, but he's not the stepfather, right? Doesn't make any sense. Um, or adopted father. And then well, we've got the I, uncle. I, I mean, I mean, the heat, the even. Is like you call him your father, but you call her your stepmother. That's I mean, right. yeah, I mean, yeah, so it's, it's, it's pointed highlight. out. He never, he always called the, the, the Pierce always called the adoptive father his father, but mm-hmm. he, he never, but he always, uh, and um, it suggested that he wasn't, uh, I mean, he wasn't, he was probably a child, but he was, he was adopted when he was six and his parents mm-hmm. died in World War II, and apparently, um, 
apparently um, his father met this, this woman, this French singer Lucien, around the time of mm-hmm. World War II. So maybe there were two or three years between uh, between him adopting Pierce and uh, marrying Lucien. So mm-hmm. it wasn't as if he, he married the woman when, when uh, Pierce was already like uh, And she wouldn't give him a child. Right, and so there's resentment there, and then wouldn't 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 you be happy that you don't have competition, especially a genetic? Yeah. Right. So like, <laughs> yeah, there's all kind of sorts weird, of weird psychology, but it comes out as like these evil plans to everybody's trying to fuck each other. Everybody's trying to fuck each other over, right? Like the the uncle is trying to fuck over the nephew. Right, the the wife and the stepmother and the stepmother, yeah, the, yeah. and the stepmother, they're all fucking each other. Over. Yeah, and so it's like it's a horrible book because it's not because the writing is bad, uh, as in sentence by sentence, but rather because all the characters are horrible, and are what we thought was our viewpoint character who's coming into this world turns out to not be the viewpoint character. We we go away from him for the majority of the book. Like, yeah. there's a lot of point of views from other people. And I think it's like he was trying to write a big book explaining to himself how these people are like that. And then, oh, yeah, it's a book, too, because I got to. So that's why it's so long, right? Is mm-hmm. Because we keep getting we keep shifting to other people's point of view and we go backward and forward in time finding out, oh, he actually was visited by the stepmother in Mexico before the plot started. We didn't yeah. know about that. And then there's a dream sequence. And I was like, I think this is a dream sequence. And it turns out, yeah, it is a dream sequence. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing, man? You're way too ambitious in this. You're, it's like his version of Moby Dick. He's, he's trying to stretch his wings, but it fails. Yeah, it fails. Do, yeah. It's uh, actually, um, uh, if this had been an Edgar Wallace uh, movie, Movie, then all of these terrible people would still have been there and they would have been in the same, but they would have been killed off one by one. And, and it would uh, only have been two hours. This is a, <laughs> this is almost 12 hours. So it's, it's three times longer than some of the other John Lang books. It's a bad book, but not because the writing is bad. It's because the plotting was bad and his ambition was too much. Or, you know, maybe if all these characters were, uh, somewhat more redeemable in the sense that we we rooted for some like i had a hard time like he just our our hero charles he you know had uh he uses a pistol pistol whips a lady right yeah so this this, uh, woman and then uh, this woman who who really has he doesn't need to do that it's okay that he the man, I can understand that he hits him because the guy tried to tra- double cross him. But the woman, what, what? She's done nothing. She just, she just was there. Nothing else. Yeah, there's, there's like a lot of. He could have tied her up or something, and, and it would have been perfectly fine. There's just a lot of violence and you know trying to kill people in cars, like all of that stuff. I think that that's like, I think probably you know Michael Crichton hung out with some people like this. He says, well, they're my school friend, right? And I go to a party, yeah. and then the guy he fucking tries to kill me. Like that at the, that uh, that's at what I'm saying. I mean, is uh, It has to have been uh, something that really speak, happened speak, to him. Speak, speak, speaking of which, um, I think he tuckerizes himself into his own novel. Who is he, there, other than um, he, the, the, Charles? Crichton, 
Crichton. I think Crichton characterizes himself as himself in this novel. Yeah, but I'm saying this, what, got, what the, character? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know, I know, I know the whole thesis is going. Kind of, but I think he actually puts himself in this novel because there's a sequence where Charles goes to a party and gets introduced to all these different people, mm-hmm. and one of them is a medical student. I'm thinking that's Crichton. It could have been. Oh, yes. That's got to be Crichton. Yeah. I mean, he's... That's that's, that's sticking himself into his own book. I think that... In in a a direct way. It's him explaining experiences he's had to himself. And then he says, oh, yeah, I can make this a novel plot, too. But when you... you Because he was in... I mean, checking his... well, he studied. he studied in Harvard, and he was in, in Cambridge for a while. So there, right. those yeah, universities where there's lots of rich people. Oh, yeah. yeah Harvard and Cambridge in the have mid-60s. rich people. There are rich so. people. Of course, there are also smart people universities, but there are also rich people. So you get a very smart people like Crichton, and you get rich people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, he might well have been had uh, yeah. any... Uh, and they have had, expensive uh, cars, really and they have whores, and they have drugs, and they have venom. They're full of venom. So this book is like it's a it's a bastard of a book because it starts off as a one thing we think it's oh it's going to be about a smuggler um like when he when he's doing his I his stuff it's more easy go at the beginning with the whole Oh yeah it was Jones it was stuff. so good to start like yeah. I'm like what's going on here and yeah, then it settles really into a really like a horrible nest of vipers with a bunch of people who like they're all spitting venom all over each other and like, I guess we're hanging out here because he's making money, but that doesn't really explain it. And I think it's like him explaining to himself. That's why I don't hang out with those people anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like, also, um, I think it's. Uh, I mean, this was the era of stuff like what's it called, Valley of the Dolls, and and all of those uh, those uh, sort of of glitzy, you know. And what was the other? There was a lot late. No, I think Lace was a little bit later. Later, but uh, there was a bunch of these these big. Uh, they, usually big books often about often written by women and about women women and following them through their lives and so all so often sometimes they come from nothing sometimes they are born rich and so born rich they're about to go to Hollywood or or something and there was a lot of those books in the in the well started in the sixties the trend but it went on in the seventies and into the eighties and it reminds me a bit of also of those books except that there's usually no when a, Except that there's usually no smugglers and no no yeah, no and so on. And and you know at hour eleven and a half when I'm into this book, <laughs> and I I'm like listening to the guy you know say oh uh, that was last week I'm like last week holy shit <laughs> like he last week he was in he was in Mexico I'm like no yeah. it feels like fucking five years in this yeah. hellhole. <laughs> It literally feels like months or years have passed by right? now. I mean, he gets engaged and everything. Okay, some people do that very fast. Every couple of days, he, he renegotiates his his contract. <laughs> Salary, yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, and... Both his contracts. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a big, terrible mess of a book in that it's no fun. Uh, it, it was this, readable this, this, this sentence by the sentence. The beginning is fun. Oh, the, <laughs> then this I, is I so good. I the book that, I, that he actually started writing. Absolutely. I, I was having fun. This <laughs> I was <laughs> tweeting about how great this book started. <laughs> and then like, oh, man. 
I was yeah, wrong. And then you stopped tweeting how good this book started. <laughs> well, no, it um, starts great. It just doesn't finish yeah. properly. Doesn't. Um, this was the first hardcover Lang. It came in 1969. Mm-hmm. Um, it was followed by. So this wasn't his last. So after this, he went to Jug of Choice, Grave Descend, Binary. Drug of Choice. Think about what uh, the connection here between uh, this book and Drug of Choice. Drug of Choice leans into the cat stuff. The cat, the removing part of the brain and making, making and drugs to control people's behavior. That's exactly right. what that book is about, which is an amazing Philip K. Dickey book, right? And, yeah. and a fun and, uh, mystery as well. This I mean, book. Here's a side, here's this a sideline that we see the, the poor cat get, uh, right. Get, so get the brain whenever, whenever I like, we think about what Michael Crichton's thinking, it's basically he's like, He's like, I'm interested in interesting things. And then he, he's hanging out with some rich people who, what do they care about? They care about fucking alcohol and lording it over other people with their fancy new car, their Maserati. Like, uh, the, you go through that list, fucking, uh, alcohol, lording it over other people. <laughs> like, none of those things are appealing. Like, I, I like a car. I, I think sex is nice. <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? Those other things, like you gotta have like interest in archaeology. You have to have interest in history. You have to have interest in science. You have to be thinking about existent, like all the other fun stuff. And this book is almost none of that. Just that little uh, black experiment, like when he's doing the cat surgery. I'm like, well, where's this book going? And then yeah, nowhere almost. Right? Like, okay, uh, now it's getting interesting. I mean, this is really, it's way too much rich people. Be, but rich people being terrible is sadly popular. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, that's why we had There's a lot of television shows. Yeah, we exactly. Of, and we have similar, there are similar shows today, what they're called industry and succession. And I don't know. Succession, I, yeah. I don't watch this stuff. I this yeah, stuff yeah, anymore. It's like, okay, I watched, uh, I watched the Dynasty in Dallas because kind of, uh, uh, it was what also grown-ups watched, and you know, I never particularly liked it. Yeah, liked it, and and Falkenkrest and so on. But rich people. Well, there's there is a popular. There is a there is a surficial attraction to cars and money and fancy clothes and big houses, right? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of description of, of uh, what, uh, I mean, uh, there's this tour of of um, Pierce apartment with all those gadgets and so on. Yeah. The, the fancy furniture, well, for the time it would have been fancy furniture and so on. It's uh, it's very swinging 60s all, and it's like, okay. It's also really, there's a lot of over-description that you really don't don't need. On the Wikipedia entry for this book, uh, there's two <laughs> critical reviews from the period. One is New York Times, the other is Chicago Tribune. I'm going to read them both. Okay. They're just tiny. Uh New York Times calls the book overlong. It is encumbered with a welter of extraneous detail <laughs> and as grubby a collection of opportunists as I've ever encountered in a good while. It's <laughs> accurate. Totally accurate. Dead on for this book. And the Chicago Tribune says uh, it has too many subplots, too many dames. And I think about the dames part. Well, no, there's too many women. Is this the 1940s? (laughs) But otherwise, I mean, um, there's too many women in this book. There's too many men in this book. There's too many men too. Uh, Yes, there's. But also interesting that this critic is a woman. I mean, there's a reference. Yeah, (laughs) the Chicago Tribune critic was a woman, Alice Cromie. 
And the uh, New York Times critic was Alan J. Hubin, so a man. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting, but it's, uh, yeah. I think he's probably annoyed by all of those interchangeable little women, uh, women whom Pierce bad as Dominique and Vivienne and Luc- also the names are so similar. Lucien, Vivienne, mm. Dominique. There's okay, there's they, too they, many they women in the sense that there's too part. many men. There's, but it's also too many women as in too much like focus on the sex because yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> like unimportant, disgusting behavior around people chasing after sex and being sexy and uh, like, I mean, uh, one scene would have been enough of this. this we would have tell, gotten, okay, Pierce is, an, Pierce is a jerk and he treats he treats women badly and uh, and one of them, them tried to and one woman tried to, to kill tried to stab him and so on. That would be enough. We didn't need all of those. Oh, Pierce is, is uh, trying to get into the knickers of yet another woman. We didn't need that. <laughs> And not trying to, he was like he, he, he does, gets yeah, it every does. time, right? He's sleeping with, with yet another. We didn't need it. We didn't need every uh, one. His one cruelty scene, towards his his Italian his Italian fiance. He's he she's like trying to be chased until marriage, and he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck her, and then I'm gonna leave her, and then he does. Uh, so like we're told that, then he does it, and just being there with those people. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I believe for, I, I felt bad for her because she got wound up into the snake pit. I it felt is bad a snake for pit. Jane because Jane's Jane Jane got yeah. manipulated into the stock deal, and she's just trying to build her own life. I mean, she winds up going Jane up with Charles. And like, Sandra what? are not completely terrible people. <laughs> That's right, yeah, but I mean, it's they're overwhelmed. They're covered in venom from all these snakes that are yeah. They, they stumbled they, into this. They were thrown. They were the sacrificial virgins in the case of Sandra, quite literally thrown into the snake pit. <laughs> yes. So it's 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 a it's a horror this book um, because it is so evil. But I think it makes sense it as a uh, him explaining to himself, you know, why I can't hang out with these people anymore. Makes- Which goes back to my theory that he's in he, that 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 medical student. Oh yeah, yeah that makes sense. Like, yeah, him at the party. Also, yeah, I wonder who's the who's the author at the party. Oh, Horton Graham. Who was that's also to, him. Probably someone. That's John Lang. No, 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 I don't think. I don't think. I know. I don't think that's him because Horton Graham is presented as this bombastic literary figure that John Lang would definitely was not and Crichton was not. No, but that's what no. he's planning, right? No, he no, I don't, probably I, to meet these people, but I don't think he probably, but I mean, I, I imagine someone like Truman Capote or something like that. Yeah, that's that's Truman possible. Capote would have been the kind of bombastic character who, who, who runs these parties. Yeah, because he's basically running these parties and he's conned into running these parties for by, by uh, like people like the stepmother, but that's all he really does. He doesn't seem to actually write anymore. He's just kind of like a literary figure, which sounds very Capote-ish. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm very... I don't feel like Disappointed? I waste, uh, Disappointed! You know, des- definitely, like, this is the worst Crichton book I've read. I I don't... Uh, he's written worse books as Crichton. Have he's you read... The, the uh, what ones, which ones that you've read are worse than this? Some of the late period ones are really, really terrible. Like what? The really late period. Um, like Airframe and yeah, Disclosure. I look, look them up. Um, yeah, Disclosure is disclosure, disclosure's not great. Um, I haven't read either of those. Prey is horrible. Um, Prey. Oh, yeah, that's a late book. Um, 
Air frame is not very good. Pray, pray which one? I keep getting these things. Those are long mixed. books, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah I keep getting these books. things mixed. mixed uh, oh, yeah. State of fear is pretty terrible. Oh, yeah. That's, 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 I, didn't I didn't even try that one. I didn't want to. Yeah. What was the um, the one that I always think of? Congo. I want to read Congo because it has uh, uh, intelligent apes in Africa. Yeah, but Congo is is written before it was completely terrible. He the, yep. uh, the Jurassic Park. Which one is Rising Sun? Oh yes, it was the one about the, Rising the, Sun. It's a good that movie. was the, the, the anti-Japanese. That was his. Anti- yeah, yes, yeah. Everybody that's... had to have one in the eighties and early nineties. Yeah, every, um, every, I only Japan's going to take over the world. Yeah. Disclosure is the, the, the sexual harassment one, isn't it? Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, that one was pretty shitty. Okay, then the Jurassic Park is what it is. So, after, I, I mean, after Jurassic yeah. Park, he goes downhill, I think. Yeah. And fast. Well, maybe uh, maybe it one, has to do uh, with the really length. Like, um, which one is... I have to... The thing is, I keep getting these these things mixed up and, and don't quite remember which book is which because I kind of forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I these mean, the later ones, the early ones, of course. I mean, I know which one is the Great Train Robbery or which one is Jurassic that, Park. That's a terrific book. Great, great you know, but the robbery. other ones are like kind of um, also interestingly. This one was written. This one came out in the same year as the Andromeda Strain. <laughs> Another astounding book, an amazing book. So terrible when he was yeah, still yeah, like, that, that, that's quite doing. That's quite yeah. Before he's uh, ossified and while he's not trying to do terrible people. So yes, that's a good. That, that's a that's a that's a very good. Book. And the he did the script for Westworld, or did he? I know he directed yeah. the, the original Westworld movie, which is nice and tight. I like that a he's lot. He's a great film director most of the time, and sometimes he's terrible. Yeah. Uh, but. But just thinking about like this book, I think the reason it's so bad is because there's. Uh, I wanted to tell you guys about a um, a dream. No, uh, a, a dream short story. A, a short story I did a show on recently. Um, oh, for Rings Run Deep. Yeah, uh, and basically, it was. Um, I'm trying to remember the. Use the, your words. Well, I'm trying to remember the name of it, and it's not coming. But basically, uh, there was a... Uh, it was Alfred Bester. Um, and he... he and favorite word of Paul's, Tuckerized. He, yes! He, um, he took a bunch of people who were in his writing group uh, in New York, and he wrote a story. Uh, and it's a pretty interesting story. It's called uh, The Unseen Blushers. It's based on uh, a poem by Gray. And, uh, the idea is that there's, there are unknown Shakespeare's all around us. You go to the graveyard and you see the name of a person who died a hundred years ago and it just has their birth date and their death date and that's it. Maybe an epitaph, right? But what amazing things did they think? What great things did they, they say to each other, but not write down? Um, so they get to speculating about this at the, uh, at the restaurant where they're eating their regular Tuesday lunch as writer's group, no editors allowed, complaining about editors, right? And uh, a member of, of the group arrives with a stranger. And the stranger has an idea for a story, and the story is about a time traveler. And he they don't recognize this guy, so he must be a new science fiction writer. Um, the time traveler's going back in time to find the new Shakespeare – 
the new Shakespeare is a pulp writer. Um, and uh, our main character who's telling the story, basically Alfred Bester, uh, wakes up at the beginning of the story with a uh, his apartment in disarray and his one of his short stories that he's working on last night missing. Um, so at the at as he listens to the story uh, that the uh, stranger is pitching, um, he says, uh, "This is interesting." And they around the table they argue about who, uh, you know, who um, would this Shakespeare be from this period of time? And the stranger from the future says, "I haven't decided yet." Uh, and there was hints that other people at the table also had documents go missing. Mm-hmm. And oh. so the idea is like <laughs> pulp science fiction writers, uh, do they write better or worse than Shakespeare um, uh. or equivalent? And the thing is, is Shakespeare was the pulp writer of his period. Yeah, he was popular. Shakespeare yes. was yeah. this, uh, this highfalutin popular writer. He was not for writer. rich people only. He, That's right. He was, no. he was pulp writer. He was, a, he was a kind of TV screen writer. That's what he would do. Yeah, that, Shakespeare's yeah. day would be writing TV screenplays. For and the he's writing old tropes, too. Right? Yeah, yeah I mean, he's, he's taking from books and refabricating things. Um, s- s- somebody, I think we maybe was Asmo, said that Shakespeare wrote Fart jokes for rich people and highbrow poetry for poor people, yeah. which I, I like. It's like yeah, it's yes, right, it's right. Take it all up, and they're getting what they don't expect. So, thinking about like uh, all the people who are who are in the story who were up, like one of the guys at the story, he was a uh, uh, wrote pulp, but not science fiction. He wrote like sea stories. He used to be in the navy, right? Um, when Bester wrote him into the story apparently the guy got really offended um and i I sort of hurt their group because he he put all these people he knew into the story and he he said you know he mumbled maybe he had gotten a tropical disease when he was he was uh in the navy and it was flaring up again uh turns out at the time that the guy actually had throat cancer (laughs) so like his mumbling is because you know so he's he like uses his friends in this story to tell a story of it's a meta science fictional pulp science fiction story and quite interesting and we all if you've read Bester, you know he's a superstar right like he, he doesn't he only has two major novels he has uh you know 20 short stories or something and several of them are astounding this one uh in fact that's the magazine it was maybe it's an astonishing yeah, it was an astonishing story. Um, but his, his power is amazing, right? His, his ability to, to tell stories and sparkle all over the page and, and use old bad ideas and make them good new ideas. I feel like that, that's what Michael Crichton's doing here. But the problem is he's talking about a subject that's just horrible, just horrible people. Doing horrible things to each other. Yeah, we don't want to spend time much time with. And it's almost like you could you could snip out that beginning of the book and say, okay, can we get someone else to finish this book? (laughs) Because it just turns into a nest of a horrible. Like he goes to Paris. Up to that point, everything's great, 
And then after he goes to the party, the everything party, turns to the shit. Party. Is that uh, is a turning yeah, point? Yeah, the party, the party where he meets Richard, Richard Pierce, which we find out later that was arranged so they would run into Richard mm-hmm. Pierce. But even those characters who who are in other books, like Easy Go, we've got the rich guy who's a dilettante and enjoys uh, having sex with multiple ladies. He's fun in that book. He's horrible yeah. in this yeah. book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's financing the expedition and try an eye for the main chance, but he's not he's not an a hole like uh, like Pierce and his. Uh, it's why I'm saying like life. this okay. is out. This is uh, from life, as uh, Lovecraft would say. Right? It's a photograph from life uh, in Pickman's model at the end. Right? Because he is he is hung out with these people. He's he's gone to these places, and then he weaves a story together. But the problem is, is if you hang out with those people, you also get the horror, horrible, yucky stories. It's like, uh, you know, I like, I, it's good to learn that the Holocaust happened, but I don't like going in and saying, please tell me more about the gas chambers. <laughs> I don't want to spend time thinking about all the torturing that's happened. I need to know it. But not for twelve hours. <laughs> I don't want to soak in it yeah, the way yeah, I'm well, soaking well, in the venom here, I, I, because I, I, you come I, out of it feeling gross uh, and disgusted. The Holocaust kids novels are, are, are among the worst things. I think these really these uh, these things which really have endless endless uh, terrible scenes of of terrible people of people dying and being killed and so on. Those are. And and they really seem to and uh, the last person the person who walks out alive usually commits suicide because yeah that's obviously what, what book is what books are you talking about Holocaust because you said about the Holocaust oh is it's there a genre like, of this it's top genre like a hol- I call it Holocaust yeah. it's oh I'm not aware of this oh that's my like, god what's it called uh, Sarah's Key or something no Sarah I think is the name there's a bunch of those and and mostly they are sometimes they're also filmed and mostly they are just terrible I mean I mean honestly just uh, Give us survivors' accounts. Accounts. Those are at least uh, at least uh, realistic and and have historical value. These books have zero value. Wow! Yes, yes, and so they're fiction okay. that is like modern fiction. Is this like uh, they're fairly modern, mostly not not by survivors. So a, so yeah, like I, I I can I can see somebody writing one of these books like to yeah, but to, as a catharsis, right? Oh my god! falls in love with a prison. I mean, these things happened. They, they, they were relationships, but uh, you don't need to write a book about it, about it, and especially not someone. <laughs> I don't need to read that book, I guess. Who was born in like 1970 and living today? You don't really need to do it. Do it. Leave the, the voices to the survivors and uh, and the histor- and just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that sounds horrible. There's, there's, there's more than one of those. Those I, it's not something I s- seek out, but uh, but uh, they they get discussed, they get filmed, they're bestsellers, they hit bestsellers. So you kind of uh, know about them by osmosis. So uh, <laughs> what is this? Is this titillation? Like you, it's the same. Like uh, one way of reading this book is like you just go at it for the sex, right? There's a lot of sex in this book. I'm like I'm. I think I'm, it's like those uh, those what were Harold Robbins and so on. They were also kind of what a bit of well, yeah. kind of similar. They were really popular at the time. Mm-hmm. People were reading this. Rich people are being terrible. Rich it's always popular. Being terrible, and this yeah. is the 19th, late 60s version of rich people being terrible, and it's similar. To, there was a lot of Harold Robbins on my parents' bookshelves. I'm not entirely sure why, but uh, there was a lot of it, and I read some, and uh, yeah, it was quite similar actually. Well, you know, I I feel like we should wash our hands of this and try different 
different Michael Crichton book from I the same period. Should, I, I, I think we should leave Michael Crichton alone for a while. Well, I'm thinking, yeah. I'm thinking <laughs> Zero Cool. That's a nice short uh, uh, one. If we can uh, get it. Uh, but yeah, this one is not one I really need to. Yeah, this is Zero Cool is one of his young men ones. Well, that's, that's the issue. Is I think we need to get back on the horse, but not right away. Yeah, with a good so, one. This one might actually be quite good. Zero cool from the, the book, zero cool. Uh, so here's the ones uh, that we haven't re- haven't read from his. Uh, I'd like to do all of them, so I'm done and I can say I've read them all. And uh, so odds on, uh, we have. That was the first, I think. Yeah, and odds on is um, uh, it describes an attempt of a robbery at an isolated hotel on Costa Brava. The robbery is planned with the help of a critical. Path analysis computer program. That sounds good, right? It's traditional techno thriller. It's got a lady kissing a man holding jewelry on the cover. Um, uh, Scratch one. We haven't done that one. That's number two in the John Lang series. Um, Also very short, 192 pages. Roger Carr has a lot going for him. He's a handsome, charming, privileged man. Oh, who practices law. More as a means to support his Playboy life. Okay, maybe not now. <laughs> Starts to go CIA. That's a little better. All right. Uh, easy go. We've done a case of need. It's, I think, not been republished by Hard Case Crime for some reason. Zero Cool has. Um, and then that's it. So. Odds on and Zero Cool. And what was the third one? Odds on, Zero Cool guess, yeah? and Scratch One. Um, the, the zero cool is very expensive. What's on is uh, also oh, it's why are these books so bloody expensive? They used to be all over the place, however. But uh, and, uh, they're not that old. Well, the hard case crimes. Uh, yeah, the you, did, case you got the crimes. ebook the from me, right? Obviously. I sent you the not ebook the for this. Obvious. Was this okay? For the yeah, one so that... the ebook was was fine. I'll be able to get an ebook of any of these, so don't worry. Yeah. So uh, otherwise. Uh, I mean, I prefer them on paper because I can read it in the, but, uh, because it's easier to read in bed and so on, but I can, uh, but uh, an ebook will do, and um, a lot of the other ones were electronic too. What was the scratch? Scratch one or scratch, scratch one? Uh, yeah. Scratch one. Yeah, oh, for any. one, I actually had to, for one, I actually had to, to put in, yeah, all like in the, the so well, the some scratch of the one is even of, shorter than Easy Go. Yeah, some of them are kind of, of, uh, of affordable, uh, build the paperbacks. Why are these things? But I honestly wonder why these things are so expensive for, for paperback. Well, okay, we can handle. These might actually be also kind of good. Zero cools plot. Why do they tell you? Do you want to recycle your electric and electronic equipment for, for free? Learn more. It's uh, the beginning of a blurb of a book. Sorry, Amazon. Why are you doing this to me? This an American doctor care. goes to Spain to present a paper <laughs> at a conference and take a holiday. He meets a mysterious woman and is asked to perform an autopsy on a member of the underworld. He finds himself in a conspiracy to obtain a jewel. So that's n- not horrible sounding. <laughs> but um, a scratch, uh, scratch one sounds pretty good. Yeah. Scratch one sounds, yeah, arm shipment. Yeah, the first, literally the first thing, and this must be a new thing with Amazon, because literally the first thing is like, do you want to recycle your electrical and electronic equipment for free? A, I can do this in Germany because it's, it's a law that I have to, to have to take it back. B, I really don't want this, is want this ad. if you want to put an ad, put it somewhere else. Don't put it in the blurb of the bloody book. 
Odds on sounds like the best bet because it is so techno thrillery. And that that's the first John Lang book, right? It's 215 pages. Yeah. Starts with a quote from uh, Benjamin Disraeli. Interesting. Why don't we go for that? We'll book it far enough ahead that the horrible taste of this book, it'll be out of our minds. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that'd be into April. April is fine, I guess. You up for this, Paul? Can you handle April? Yeah, I'm up for it. So the first Sunday in April is the second. So the day after April Fool's Day. Okay. Oh, for... I'm I'm just just doing this thing for the fun of it. Uh, 02 2023. And we're we're gonna do uh, what was it called? Odds on the first one? Is that what it's called? I just forgot about it. Odds <laughs> on, I think. Odds on. Odds, odds on. Alright. Hopefully that's a much better book than this one. Yeah. And it, uh, I think the writing here was fine. I think it's the plotting was bad. I, uh, uh, by the way, um, I forgot to mention this when I was telling the story about Alfred Bester's story. When I was reading about the story, I read a part of his, um, somebody had done a biography of Bester's writing. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, he talked, when he talked about, uh, have you ever seen Alfred Bester interviewed, like, uh, on YouTube? Um, no, I think I, I think so. I remember seeing a couple clips from like that old encyclopedia yeah, so, that was on CD-ROM. Oh, I okay. Those. Well, there's a there's a really good long interview where he's at a science fiction convention. He and he's like he's trying to be hip and cool with the cool kids, and it's like, come on, you know, I'm wearing a suit and tie, but don't worry about that. I'm I'm a cool guy. <laughs> so he's like bringing people, you know, to his attention. But he's. He was uh, famous at that point, right? But when he started yeah. off with his writing group, everybody else was more famous than him, and he was like the new guy. And at one point, he said to one of the old uh, writers, uh, "Oh, I just discovered that if you if you uh, have a plot in your story and you you introduce another character who has a different motivation, it it does something amazing to your story." and uh, the old guy uh, says, um, oh, you mean counterplot? <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> so I think that that's actually what went wrong here, is that he has like three counterplots. <laughs> We've got the plot that we like, right? <laughs> then it turns out that girl, who we, I thought was going to come back as soon as he gets to Paris, or oh, London yeah. at least, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, you did. The girl with the gun, right? The one who's yeah, sleeping yeah. in his yeah, house. Jane. He's got an airplane. I I love the setup, right? I thought she was going to be the counterplot, but no, she's just a minor, minor part of the many, many counterplots that are happening. I mean, I mean, they eventually go off into the sunset together, kind of, sort of. But yeah, then, it, it almost. But, 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 but she's she's out of the book for for longer than I expected. Yeah. I thought maybe she'd show up. I thought she'd show up maybe at the. At I the party almost Paris, forgot about or... her. Yeah, suddenly she's. Uh, I thought like, okay, she was probably just. Uh, just there to show us what Charles is doing, but uh, and then but, like, but then, then yeah. they drop yeah then they drop the name is oh who's who's this person like a, yeah oh yeah Jane Goodall like oh her right mm-hmm. 
Mitchell, I don't. I don't think Jane it was Mitchell. Jane Goodall. That's the ape book. Jane Goodall is the lady with the, oh, the okay. apes. Jane, Jane, Jane Mitchell is this one. Jane Mitchell, not Jane. Go- oh, good yeah. God! Jane no, Goodall I, I, is. She's going to show up in the uh, Congo book. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah. shows you how much I like this book. I keep mixing up the names. Um, Rupert Pierce, for example. It's like, yeah, that, that tells you. That tells you, listeners, what I thought of this book. I keep changing the characters' names and not in a good way. All right. Um, yeah, that'll be a nice, um, a nice reprieve. One hopes. <laughs> yeah. We shall see. We shall see. I, I mean, this is, this so I've added that terrible. to the 0402. This was pretty terrible, Jesse. Pretty, uh, I, I didn't know, Pa. I, I'd only had golds up to this point. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, but this is, this is, this is not even iron pyrite. <laughs> No, no, no. This uh, this was too venomy. Too venomy, yes. Mm-hmm. And I, mean, I, was, was, I was actually pissed off that there was a lot more snake business either, because snakes are really interesting as a subject. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he he actually um, he fucked up a couple of times, and I wasn't sure is he fucking up on purpose? Like talking about poison versus venom, and like. There's a difference. <laughs> uh, there's yes. also something with arsenic. Uh, arsenic. Oh, arsenic, arsenic kills instantly. I was like, no, arsenic doesn't kill instantly. But then he, he explains. Hours of terrible, terrible uh, pain and stomach cramps. But he also explains. Arsenic. You don't drop dead. You want cyanide or something if you want people to drop dead. But I, yeah. I thought the arsenic. stuff about um, the do- black and prescribing the pills that were build up a tolerance. And then he says, well, that doesn't actually do that. It just yeah, it'll just the, kill the, you. The thing is a miss for yes. arsenic. It's a miss. It's a, it's a but um, I mean, small amounts of arsenic uh, will poison you, but they won't kill you. Kill you. That's a lot of poisoners have used smaller amounts of arsenic, and then the people got gradually ill. But it won't make you feel feel better. And well, the okay. thing with a small dose is a miss. But also. He's a doctor. He should know that arsenic. Does well, he not does know that. He do- it doesn't. Well, no, Crichton knows, right? Yeah, Crichton knows. And and, Crichton and Black knows. Black is lying, probably. Yeah, no, no, he is lying. lying. He says he. Yeah. We find out he's later, lying. like, yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> but he's doing. He's prescribing it because he's trying to. But he's got his own counterplot going, and uh, honestly, yeah, I, at that point, I'm like, uh, I don't care. Nicely gets uh, if the idiotic nephew actually takes a poison poison willingly. That's a good way to get rid of the idiot. But uh, it's, but it's but he didn't even prescribe. He didn't actually prescribe arsenic. That those pills yeah. were not full of that, right? No, there was something else in there. There was this other. This there other were stuff. Uh, sedatives or something. Yeah, yeah. But it's just uh, yeah. It's it's just the whole arsenic business was just uh, okay. Like. Like this doctor, he knows it doesn't work that way. And no. I'm not sure if people in the also arsenic was no longer the murder murder poison of choice in the 1960s because there were other it was no longer as widely available. There was other there were other things that, that people were using in the 60s than arsenic. Basically, mostly uh, so mostly various um, sedatives or sleeping pills. And um, uh, what was it called? It's uh, I only know the the designation number it's e605 it was a uh, weed killer that was really really popular for murders and suicides in oh, the God. 1950s and 60s in germany i'm not even sure what it what it actually is it's i just know it's that e605 was incredibly popular for murders and suicides how, here's a question how, how did jane get her gun from from mexico into london 
Yeah, that's another thing. How thing? Like, even sixties, they had metal detectors. Well, but uh, I understand. I and understand in, in how. Okay, you can't have a gun. Uh, but I understand how. Uh, um, Charles got his stuff because he yeah. has his own plane. He's a smuggler, and he has he his own plane, to- right? So he he flew yes, to, yes, yes. he flew to Paris in his own plane, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a lot easier to smuggle stuff when you own the aircraft. But when mm-hmm. you're getting on a commercial airplane and you, how did she get her, she's an American. How did she get her gun into Mexico? Apparently there's no, like, there's no metal detectors at this point. <laughs> yes. But also they don't search your bags, I uh, guess. Maybe it's because maybe, she's rich. Maybe it's so the 60s. It's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, maybe in the you know metal detectors come in in seventies because that's uh, people start worrying about um, hijackings. Hijackings, yeah, right? But um, I think the first uh, airplane bomb was in the late fifties. Was in the U.S. It was the first airplane bomb, and some guy wanted to murder his mother for her inheritance, and he blew up, and he he blew a very up venomous person, airplane. no doubt. Airplane, and um, I think that was when they started upping security because up to then no one had. Uh, no one had ever tried. Let me see if I can get the, this case. It was a was sometimes was sometime in the nineteen fifties. The guy was uh, okay, nineteen fifties. Let me see if I get it. The guy was executed. Oh yes, it, I found it. I found it. It was um, nineteen fifty five. That this uh, this guy blew up his uh, blew up uh, the airplane to murder his mother <laughs> and get her life insurance. Uh, I and he murdered us. Uh, yes, he, he put that in the luggage not, or something. Yeah, he put it in the luggage, and they they found and they 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 found. Them. At first, they didn't even know. Then they realized it was a bomb. It wasn't a technical fault. Why the airplane came down? And uh, forty-four people. He killed forty-four people, five crew members, and thirty-nine passengers. Yes, and um, then it, and then they found that the bomb had been in the luggage of a passenger who was an elderly woman woman and uh, that it had been wrapped in uh, gift wrap paper paper and then they, oh, they, they mom then take they this the take this present with you and open it when you get there yeah yeah it was like oh mom here's a lovely present for you and don't yeah, open they, it they, until they, you get there <laughs> yeah and then it, uh, it blew up and uh, blew up and uh, how did he learn to make a time bomb is my question uh, i'm just looking up because there's no uh, internet uh, back then he must have learned in the army about the case in the he was probably in the army. It was in 1955. So yeah. I'll suppose a link in the chat about the, here's the, the story about the airplane. It's in a Wikipedia article. I read something about this. This And the guy, he also probably also has a Wikipedia article. Yes, he has a Wikipedia article. Ah. He was executed. So I'm, t- I'm not a fan of, the, I'm opposed to the death penalty, but yeah, he's the sort of people where you're really not very sorry for them. Well, usually the reason you you should be opposed to the death penalty is what if people are wrongly convicted? Yeah, but uh, than... very likely this guy wasn't wasn't he was just uh, yes he was a kind of ter- he was a, just a terrible person. Oh yes, he also apparently caused a gas explosion in a restaurant restaurant when he uh, when he was working working he to blow up his wife. Oh, he was a his wife. guy. Yeah, he tried to kill his wife. Wife in a restaurant because she was uh, uh, his ex. Uh, was it his? Oh no, was it? Mo- no, it was a mother. Sorry, it was a mother. He first tried to apparently blow up her restaurant when she worked, and then he blew up the plane. Hmm. This guy really hated his mother. 
So wow. what's yeah. it? What's his? Uh, where did he learn to bomb? Uh, Bombing. Okay. He must have learned that. How he might have learned that? Wow. The the, the pilot was a, was a World War II veteran. <laughs> He's blowing yeah, up his own team. Yeah, the pilot was a veteran, but not the guy. Born in thirty-two, yeah. So he may not. Yeah, have been... he's too young. He's too young to have been, and he might have been. He might have just made Korea, but it's not not mentioned here. Mentioned here how he got his uh, the bombing. Dynamite time make... bomb. Yeah, I mean, dynamite. dynamite is not something you get that easy. No, uh, okay, no, yeah, dynamite's you know, a lot easier to get yeah. than uh, some things. Yeah, but... it's easier to get than some other things. But, but uh, the uh, time bomb part is. Um... Like, yeah, you need uh, some some knowledge to make that. Apparently, but there's, there's nothing here about the, this. No, doesn't have anything he, about his his uh, skills. I mean, yeah, people can learn can. also, um, but uh, might have been self-taught. I mean, he did he did apparently cause an <laughs> cause a gas explosion too too. Mm-hmm. So he might have. So he probably had some he must have had some knowledge, but it yeah. doesn't say here. Yeah, he probably had practice. Yeah. There's, it says there's a macabre grindcore metal band out of Chicago that wrote a song about Graham called There Was a Young Man Who Blew Up a Plane on their Sinister Slaughter album. Yeah, okay, that kind of fits. But uh, this was, at any rate, there was almost zero security in, uh, in air. T- I mean, this would have been the first airplane bomb. For example, they tried nope. to kill Hitler with Nin- an airplane bomb. 1949, the there's a Canadian bomber. Canadian Pacific Airlines Flight 108. Uh, on yeah, but the entry for this, this one, uh, guy, there's a link to this guy named uh, what was it? Robert uh, Albert Guay, G U A Y. So 1949 bombing. Yeah. So, but uh, but as there were more and more bombs, uh, bombings happening, they they started uh, they started having more. More, they started having having more better security because the sec- I mean the security even even before before two thousand and one security was especially in the US you could get you could escort your your relatives to the gate which was which was no longer possible in Europe it hadn't been for been I think at least since the seventies. Petra went to a hardware store and found it was impossible to buy dynamite in Canada without signing for it. So she gave a false <laughs> yeah. name. She told the clerk that she was buying on behalf of a woman who wanted to destroy some tree stumps. That's the <laughs> typical reason. She bought 20 half-pound sticks of dynamite, 15 detonating caps, and a 30-foot length of fuse. She wrapped the dynamite in a package, which she gave to Gwei. Gwei took the package to Ruast and late that night started on a holiday with his wife. Rita thought... The vacation was supposed to be a reconciliation. Oof. And Gwei mm-hmm. acted very kind to her. So there, if you just have, like, a detonation cord, uh, you've got combustion. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in the plot to kill Hitler uh, on his airplane, they use something called timing pencils, which are basically, yeah, it's, it's acid the, eating the, the, through. Uh, so you you have a, a, a cylinder. You break the cylinder... And it's like, you know how I've actually got one on my desk here. Um, uh, glow sticks. You know mm-hmm. how glow sticks yeah. work? Yeah. It's like yeah, a, yeah, the chemicals. Yeah. Right. So inside, chemicals. there's two chambers. And when you break it in half, which I'm going to do right now. There we go. And you shake it. They mix together. And they should start to glow unless my... The glow stick glows. Yeah. And the glow stick glows. Because <laughs> it, the chemical reaction, right? 
So we started see we I first saw these in chemistry class in the in high school. I was in the, the chemistry advanced chemistry class and the the teacher talked about glow sticks and, and brought one. We were like, oh, that's so fascinating. And then they had a rave. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, a few years later, they were everywhere. But uh, that was the first time I ever saw one. <laughs> I don't know if mine's going to work. Maybe it's too old. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, those, so those timing pencils were very new during World War II, and they didn't mm -hmm. always work. I think that's why Hitler survived his. Yeah, uh, they, they got to the Hitler yeah, was the Hitler was really lucky. He survived several attempts on his life. Mm -hmm. in his life, he was unfortunately terribly lucky. But in the end, he he got he got it from the one guy who could do it, which was himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he was yeah. But he he survived uh, he survived several assassinations. At least three three attempts. There were probably more, but I know at least there's a, there's a very famous plot which he survived, and there was a less famous one. One in the burger, the burger boy killer bombing, and then the more famous uh, Staatskanzlei bomb, bombing. So yes, there was a couple. So he's in the plane bombing. So he survived a couple of attempts. He was uh, one of these. He just, uh, he just didn't never never got hit, which was. Uh, but um, yeah, in the end, he did die. Also, yes. it's not sure if there's a 1944 plot. Probably wouldn't have changed a lot if it had. Might have saved a couple of lives, but uh, yeah, 1944 plot. But probably wouldn't have helped much, especially if those guys, uh, Stauffenberg and, and his friends, would have gotten in power. Um, what would have happened might not have been been much better for us, except that they probably that the war might have, have stopped a bit earlier. Yeah, the there's, there's, there's a Turtle Dove story, Harry Turtle Dove, where mm -hmm. where Hitler gets shot by in in during one of his meetings, like forty three, I think, and. And then after after Hitler says, says, can we win this war? And they say, no, but we can make sure we don't lose it. And then we fast forward to a world where we have both the communists and the Nazis still around in the 60s. And the world is terrible. And the U.S. has to deal with one or the other to get oil. And it's not a great world. It's just like, so like, yeah, could, could it, the, the World War II could have turned out really bad with <laughs> both of them surviving. And you wind up with a terrible world where... Two evil, two evil powers uh, run around. Yeah, hey, so, hey, hey. Uh, really, um, I, so, I mean, Stauffenberg and his friends are very venerated in Germany, but um, I always suspect, uh, suspect if someone should have killed him, Georg Elsler, who tried to kill him early, earlier in the Burgerbreit killer, I have to look up when exactly that was, I was but uh, Georg Elsler would have been a better choice in Elsa, sorry, Georg Elsa. Oh, yes, uh, my neighbor was uh, was uh, Els. It was um, it was Elsa. He did um, yes, at the Burger. I guess glow sticks go bad. I had no idea. Mm. Glow sticks. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. Uh, he tried killing him in in nineteen. He tried killing him in nineteen thirty thirty nine. That would have been uh, been that a would much, been very, uh, yeah, that better choice. One to four uh, years. Wow, terrible. Um, you know. Uh, in um, the movie version of um, Herbert West Reanimator, that's the glowing stuff in the tube is glow stick juice. What's <laughs> uh, Herbert West Reanimator, the movie. Oh yes, that's what's yeah, in the. Would have... Yeah, mm -hmm. that they, I was reminded of it because of the, all of the cat experimentation in this book. It's like. Um, that's really mean to what he's doing to that cat. And it almost yeah, doesn't even come into has... any, like almost has no effect on the story. So like, why is he doing that? 
don't know. Uh, maybe it's some kind of criticism of animal experimentation. I mean, he was a doctor. He would have engaged in it. He would have been involved in it because uh, it's at least... And in interest, he's interested in it, too, because it's this, it's interesting. You know, he's interested in yeah. human behavior. He might have also Hence been the next book. Well, yeah, the next book, right? The Drug of Choice is very mm -hmm. much about about that idea. See, what when you fuck around with people's brains, what happens? Bad things. Bad Things. I mean, also it's the 60s. There were uh, these uh, drug. There were things like uh, these. There were drug experiments of Hitler ones done by the government and so on. So. Uh, oh yes. People were. Uh, well, people were. Those were. Those, those was. It was a time. As a, a thing of the time. Time fucking around with brains and drugs and seeing what lobotomy was on its way out. But I think it hadn't. But it had still been done maybe ten years earlier. I think it went in the. So people were fucking around with brains and trying to see what would happen. <laughs> yep. Nothing good. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what they eventually figured out. Generally, <laughs> generally, it's nothing good, especially when the government does it. You know, people want to do that at home. Uh, that's fine, just not when the kids are around. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was expecting uh, had a guy, uh, this book to be good. We were hoping uh, for this book to be good. We were, our expectations, did not meet expectations. No. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we did it's pretty good. It. It's really, really good. If we, if he'd written the book that he started to write, yeah. it would have been a good book. The publisher's like, hey, give me a bunch of unlikable monsters and make it long, please. <laughs> Lots of plot and counterplot. Um, and the character we liked at the beginning, like, minimize him. Also, mm -hmm. dream sequence. <laughs> why no why we 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 want we want we want to we want to read about rich a-holes screwing each other over <laughs> oh my god i, I mean I, actually harold robbins is a good comparison because i've um, never read uh, one i have never tried reading harold robbins in, and i can't find figure out which book it was was but i remember when i was when my, on holiday with my parents and i had read through all my books and the, then i went through the, through the books of my parents and I found this Harold Robbins thing, and it started off so great with a baby born, born on a, in a, born in a monastery or an abbey or something, something, there were nuns there on a stormy night, and the mother dies, and I think, oh, this is going to be so great. And then suddenly they make like, oh, fast forward 30 years, the baby is now an adult, and then suddenly it was all about rich people having sex and being horrible. Much like this one. Started off great, and then it goes into the rich people being horrible mode, and it was just stupid. Listen to this. And I can't figure out which Harold Robbins book it was. Uh, this beginning. <laughs> Robbins is mentioned by name in Star Trek IV The Voyage Home by Admiral James T. Kirk. His first <laughs> officer, Spock, mentions that Robbins was one of the 20th century giants of literature. Robbins is also mentioned by name by Basil Fawlty in Fawlty Towers episode Waldorf Salad. He refers to Robbins' work as transatlantic tripe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm here, I'm here with Basil. Basil. I don't like agreeing with Basil, but Basil yeah. Fawlty is more correct than Admiral Clark. Sorry. What's, uh, <laughs> what's so funny about Basil Fawlty is like, he is everything we would hate to be in ourselves, right? Snobbish. And thinking that, you know, rich people are better than poor people 
and you know against uh, young people you know having vacations and <laughs> it's just like he's just a snob right but yeah, because it, his situation is always like he fucks himself he lies himself into it it's it's very attractive because it's hilarious whereas this book is there's not there's nothing hilarious about it at all no it's just so these horrible no. horrible characters yeah. we don't need you know it, it, we just didn't need any of them wipe them all out start again <laughs> Well, they they they, also, they, they all they I all kind of get there. I think it's also the reason that we don't that those books are that the, the Harold Robbins and Jacqueline Susan and all of these was well, not Peyton no Peyton Place I think was a little earlier. It's a, these 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 post nineteen fifties and especially sixties seventies eighties that these uh, rich people being terrible or small town full of terrible people having intrigues that those books are forgotten. There's a reason they're mm-hmm. forgotten because they were not very good and we don't want to. For some reason, people wanted to read it then, and often because there was a bit of sex in it, but no one wants to. I mean, um, I could probably ask my um, uh, mom's in the hospital. I can't ask her. Um, don't know if my dad ever read them. We could ask him, why do you have those Harold Robbins books on the books on the shelf? But they are shit. But, uh, Did you know there's 10 sequels, uh, 10 Robbins books after he's dead that other people <laughs> wrote? <laughs> Like yeah, it's uh, an institution, just like Tom Clancy, just like slap, yeah, slap. Uh, uh, VC Andrews, VC Andrews. I think there are more VC Andrews books written after her death than she wow. ever wrote during her life. But there's also been like it looks like a two dozen movie adaptation. I I don't think I've seen any of these. They uh, there was a held these were held Robbins and then Tycoon, there were two Germans, uh, yeah. Germans, um, Johannes Mario Simmel and Heinz G. Konzalik. They were. Almost, uh, they were everywhere on our bookshelves or everybody's bookshelves had these books. And mm-hmm. uh, a few years, and also there was a couple of other Germans. But uh, a few years later, no one talks about these people mm-hmm. anymore. Sidney Sheldon was another guy who wrote this, but mm-hmm. Sheldon was a, he wrote, also wrote those books, books uh, about rich people being horrible and sometimes with thrillers. And I don't know, they were hugely, hugely popular at, at one time. But, so who yeah, are the people who are buying them and why Why do they like them? Is the question. Uh, I don't know why people like them. I know Sydney, one... what was the one you said? Sydney what? Sydney Sheldon. You Sheldon. also wrote that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I've seen the books on the show. People. There were several of these people. Sheldon Master died. Of it the was game. long that go. He was so really, really terrible that I literally threw it across the room. Wow. And again, I forget the name. Is it he was also he was a screenwriter. Not a bad one, actually. But... Uh, um, it says he, he won a mystery award, so maybe they're yeah. mysteries. Uh, they're sort of, no, they're also rich, they're long and sometimes thrillery and rich people being terrible and so on, so on. And I, I keep getting them mixed up, mixed up. All the, the names are all the same, I don't know. No, I don't even know what which one it was, which was so really, really terrible, terrible and misogynist that I basically got a pretty furious at it. Notes of the gods. If to I don't know. The names are all the same. Same. Uh, the, no, the names are not. But I keep, keep getting the stuff mixed up. It was hugely popular for a while. There were movies made, miniseries on TV, and there was more of this, this stuff. Mm. Stuff, and they were everywhere. There were also uh, a lot of the ones in our shelves came via the Battlesman Book Club, where you had um, you paid some money and. Uh, and then every every you got a book for for cheaper. Every was like the, the science fiction book club, except that the books were mostly shit. Battlesman book club, and um, 
My mother was a member for years. I think she cancelled it sometime uh, in the You know, this, this could be explained by just, you know, why somebody comes to your house, core and they see your ebook of of uh, the Venom business. Why do you have that thing? Yeah. <laughs> now, the problem is, uh, the problem is, um, they're never going to see it because it's on the ebook. No, right? they're not going to see it. But, going to also, but also, when you case- when you say to your mom, why do you have that book? Um that's only after you're thinking about the question, but when you're a kid, it's just sitting on the shelf. You never even question it, right? No, it's, like, it's just there. It's just, it's just there. there. It's, and it's wallpaper, and then you also, read the text, and you say, that's weird, that's not people, a book I want to read. Why did you read that? Why did you read Harold Robbins? Why did you exactly. read, why did you read John you, Lang? Well, everybody read them. Oh, they were entertaining. No, I don't remember why I read them. It was probably the, this is sort of the same could I mean, be. I'm the sort of person who looks at people's bookshelves and asks them, like, oh, wow, you have this or that book. And they're like, I, I inherited this one from my mom, or I don't even remember buying it. I don't know why I have Yeah, this but book. I, I think I think if I went into Paul's house and I looked at his bookshelf, I would be judging him. Judging yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me? Wow. Well, Paul I mean, has a good you know, but that's the I thing. Is, books. Uh, when I go to, when I, uh, here's, I think, Paul, you have probably have, Way more, well, unless you're getting rid of all your your review copies, right? Which I've done a lot of getting rid of I'm, I, review I, I, copies. I, 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 I've jettisoned some art versions, yes. Because you just can't, you can't, you can't hold everything, right? I can't hold everything, That's right. and I sometimes will get a real version of it, or I didn't like the book so much that I want to keep a book copy right. of this forever and ever, etc. Right. So uh, when I see people uh, on Twitter, you know, they have. I, I, they could be showing off their sh- shelves or just be it's a picture of them in a room and there's the shelves behind. I'm judging them. I'm looking at their shelves and I'm like, oh, this person's wise and smart. <laughs> or no, this person's trash. And mostly when I say it's trash, it's because the books are organized by color or, you know. They're... Yeah, okay, that's weird. Because yeah. honestly, it can be just a... Uh... Just an accident where you're, where the shelf is, or where you take That's the true. photos. That's true. But if you get enough, like, if okay. you get enough of a sample, like uh, when I when I watch YouTubers and they they're doing their lives, and then you they're walking around their house or whatever, and and I look at their shelf and there there's like two books, no, on the whole house. I'm like, yeah. sad story. <laughs> people always seem to have to make the shelves that match them. I mean, the booktubers and the, the book YouTube people always have these bookshelves behind them. I yeah. Don't, um, there is no bookshelf behind me because the way the, the, the desk is set up, the bookshelf mm-hmm. is in front of me. It's not behind me. And there's one in the You're not showing off room. enough. You need to and, um, if it's set example, up a green screen with a fake <laughs> bookshelf behind you. <laughs> yeah. If it's, for example, sample some, uh, if it's about, about, if it's a show for, if it's a podcast for toy collectors, they all have their toy collections behind them, which again, <laughs> I can't do because it's not behind me. I have some stuff in front of me, but, Everything behind me is just gauze. There's nothing here. Here, so it's just weird. Because weird you have to like, build oh, a studio. Been thinking about how to, to make everything look really great, great behind them, them way before we had uh, things like YouTube, Zoom, mm-hmm. Skype, and so on. Mm-hmm. That's why there's so there's so many people use the fake blurred background wallpaper. Yeah, but you can see, you can usually tell if it's a fake background, yeah, even but if it's why books they, or something. It's like just. Like organize your sh- organize your wall. <laughs> what are you trying to hide? But it's really, uh, it's really. Fishy. I want to judge. I want to judge your bookshelf. Why are you hiding it from me? Oh, because you don't have one. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> the worst I ever saw was uh, 
was like, why do these people, they were not the kind of, not that kind of people. They were people, I think, why do they have all of those weird, weird leather, 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 fake fox leather embossed hardcovers? And then I saw that it was, that it wasn't books. It was uh, video, videotape yeah, cases. Yeah. Oh. And uh, those were the worst. Oh, the books. Yeah, the, those are people going for aesthetics, not for... Yeah, all the people who buy all of those leather bound uh, bound hardcovers, uh, hardcovers for the aesthetic value, and uh, and don't even. I mean, you can uh, actually there's books sold for such people who want these leather bound hardcovers, preferably red and gold, and don't really care what's in the books. I I, I mean, there's kind of like gray between those and like things like say subterranean or um, what's the other one? Um, uh, well, one so of the reasons the name of that company. One of the reasons um, those are are yeah, that, luxury, so though, those, is yeah, because – but one of the reasons it, it is like something you want to have on your shelf is because it is an expensive book that's going to last, right? And so that's yeah, a, sing, they're, they're a signal. Quality, they have yeah. They have art. So I want to drill down on this and just uh, – this is a revelation I had of like – You know, have to go soon, so let's do this quickly. It, don't, it won't take long. <laughs> You you know how like when you're a kid and you you watch a movie and the, there's a symbol of a rich person you can tell it's a rich person because of X Y and Z. One of the things, one of those characters, the X or the Y or the Z, is they have a decanter, which is a glass <laughs> crystal yeah. thing with a stopper on the top, and the servant comes in and pours them, or they pour themselves, and there's always a, like a uh, tub of ice nearby, right? Those. So, like, I didn't understand when I go to the liquor store, there's no decanters there. There's only bottles, right? <laughs> so, I, when I, when I've, I've come to think through this is rich people would go to the vineyard, buy a giant cask of Amontillado or whatever. And then the servant is refilling that every day from the decanter. There is no bottle because it's so, so what, rich people today do is they buy a decanter then they go to the liquor store they open the decanter they pour the liquor from the actual bottle into the decanter and then when you come over (laughs) they're emptying from the easily get if you want a decanter and with with some matching glasses you can easily get them in a in a antique store or flea market it's not that uh, that's you, what I'm saying. Yes, I, I used no to sell them. Anymore. I used to sell them. So, like, I was like, why would anybody do this? It's because it's the legacy of the leftover from <laughs> hundreds of years of lords having servants who had a cask in their basement and were going down there to refill it every day. But today, which which makes more sense, like, logically? Going to the liquor store and buying the alcohol or... Getting the alcohol from the liquor store and then pouring it into the decanter and then pouring it into your glass. Which makes more sense? The first one, right? Why do we do the second one? Because we're fucking show people. <laughs> we're trying yeah. to cosplay being rich. And that's I mean, fucking all of pathetic. These things, you can easily, if you know nowhere, you can easily get them at a... You don't even have to go to an antique store. You can get to the second-hand stores, the thrift stores, the, the but the people, sales. the people the doing this, this never think about, never think about why it's the accoutrements of being rich, right? It's like the brand name of your car, Mercedes in in North America, is valuable. 
Mercedes is just a car for taxis in Europe, right? It's just a car. Yeah, it's a, our ta- uh, I remember how shocked someone from Mexico was that our taxis were all Mercedes. I said, yeah, well, because of, well, but. It's just a car. You don't see our. Yeah. I said, well, it's a car. I mean, okay, it is expensive. It's a, big, it's a bigger car than a Volkswagen Beetle, and, right? So, yeah. But that's the thing is, is the unconscious mimicking of rich people's behavior to fit into that class is really mm-hmm. pathetic, super pathetic. And you just don't want to do any of that stuff. So I'm judging your bookshelf. And if you are, <laughs> you're measuring your book, books by the foot, and it's not because yeah. the folio quality books are, uh, uh, but they are overpriced, right? Well, how much are folio books? They're way too much. And the other yeah. societies. I, mean, I wouldn't buy them. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, subterranean, subterranean is less expensive. If they had a folio or centi, folio or subterranean or centipede edition, it's mostly like okay, yeah, I wouldn't pay pay that much money for for a book if I, especially if I can get a paperback for one tenth of the price. It's not me, but I don't. But at least I think okay. But at least they have good good taste because the people who buy their books by the foot, foot or buy them just to match the, the furnishings, they don't have centipede or subterranean or folio editions. Not not knowingly. <laughs> yeah, not knowingly. They might, they, they might have more money than brains, and they might have bought it from an estate sale, and and they've got their decanter, and they're secretly refilling it from their whiskey bottle that they bought at the liquor store. It makes no sense. I think we're done. Uh, <laughs> you can go, Paul. If it's, Aldi, if it's Aldi whiskey. Right. But Have I mean, my mom, actually, I think they, no, was a, um, they had a pricey bottle of brand, brandy, uh, brandy, and uh, they put the cheap brandy from Aldi in the pricey bottle. Also because, uh, <laughs> yeah, they literally did this, and did this, this, this for guests, and no one, I mean, it's silly. My parents have a, literally, we have a, they have a basement full of, because it used to be that, um, my dad got a lot of presents for the holidays and so from work and still, and it used to be that you got a bottle, sometimes with nice things like bottle openers. They also have like dozens of weird, everywhere. Just yesterday I found a weird box with bottle openers. Like, why are we even, <laughs> even have this stuff? But at any rate, the entire basement is full of, full of liquor that's maybe it's 20, 30 years old. It's old. The stuff is oh old. My God, it's probably drinking it because we're not heavy drinkers. We have to stop in the basement, basement and, um, and uh, once I was like, okay, I was like, I need some whiskey for to make. I wanted to make a cake with with whiskey, a whiskey dandy cake, which has whiskey. I said, I need some whiskey, preferably Scotch whiskey. Do you have something cheap you can give me, or do I have to go to Aldi? My dad says, no, I have. They look, it came up and said, like, this is this stuff costs like twenty twenty five euros. Well, I have six bottles of this. Yes, take it. It's like it's been mm. there for thirty years. It was like already dusty. So yeah. I made yeah. my cake with a 30-year-old 25-year-old uh, whiskey bottle. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> have, have fun, Paul. Rest of your day. And, yeah, bye, and, Paul. Enjoy your game. And, yep, yep. My, 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 my characters are going to go into underground tunnels and get into trouble. Oh, that sounds Something. exciting. On, on chai, yes. It's going to be fun. It's going to be lit. Cora, did you buy any... Bye, Paul. Did you buy anything else at that uh, bakery? Um, just this cake, yes, as well. I mean, it was a big, it was a lot of cake. Oh, okay. Because it was, uh, they it, had the whole, you're on the one it was slice for there. two days. Uh, for two days for two people. It was like for okay. four or six, or if you cut it small, six slices. So it was literally like, a, because uh, they were about to close up and almost, and this was about the last thing. They had cookies left and they had this cake and it was, was this big, big part. And I said like, okay, okay, can you, and, um, 
And so she had already packed it up, so I, I didn't. So I just thought, okay, I can eat it, eat the rest tomorrow. And it was tasty. Nice. Because that was the only thing that 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 the bakery because they were about to close close shop for the day. Yeah. What what, what time is it there? Um, right now it's uh, it's seven p.m. and it okay. was uh, it was maybe half it was half past four when I was at the bakery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. I, oh, I, was... I think they were closing at at five p.m., but there were not a lot of people. There were a few people left uh, drinking coffee and so on. When you were because a kid, bakeries are the one thing that's open on Sunday in Germany, except for bakery and bakeries and uh, sometimes flower shops and uh, gas stations. Everything else is closed on on Sundays in Germany. Yes, everything's closed. Wow, you're lucky. Yeah, when I was a kid, the... the stores would not be open on Sundays. And and it's now everything's open, open yeah. every every day of the week, uh, sometimes till you know eight p.m. It's still it's still not uh, it's still banned. Uh, I think a city gets a couple of Sundays uh, which are like like um, open shopping Sundays when everything is really you shouldn't go anywhere on an open shopping Sunday because everything is really really full of people. Mm. People but that's, uh, uh, that's, that's I think. The, it's always the four Sundays before the four Advent Sundays before the before Christmas are open shopping, and then there's maybe one or two others often tied to local local celebrations or events or something. There's usually an open. And um, East Berlin uh, tried to, uh, well, part of well, the eastern part of Berlin tried to to just open the shops up, and then they came up with, okay, well, we can find a new celebration every day. Oh, look, here's this clock, and it's uh, and today is it's fifty six. Or something like that. That and but An they were shut down. It's it's actually it's not legal. There's um there are laws about when shops have to open and close. And they were very very strict when I was younger. It's a lot better now. Better now because better in can, what sense? <laughs> yeah, I mean shops are open longer actually. They yes. they are open in the evening. They don't no longer close at six or seven p.m. and you can't even get even go grocery shopping anymore. Or they on yeah. Saturdays the shops don't close. The shops used to close at one or two p two p.m. on a Saturday. And one Saturday was a long Saturday, and then was never Saturday that you had to, that you didn't have to go to school, and it was deliberate because we we wrote a couple of kids of, of at high school. We wrote to the the like, like okay, but uh, yeah, we have to go to school on on every second Saturday. That sucks, but. Uh, but yeah, but why is it always a Saturday? It's a long Saturday. We want to go sh- go shopping and so on. And they said like, oh, but we deliberately did this. So the so the shop so the women who works in the work in the shops know that their kids are uh, at school and so on. So yeah, it's quite strict actually still in Germany. And there were and it's uh, so. But now I can go shopping until nine p.m. and this, or eight p.m. depends on where which mark which shop it is. Uh, at least in the supermarkets, the markets. Of course, the bakeries close earlier because uh, no one is going to a bakery at at eight eight p.m. to buy bread. That's something. And also, the bakery opens at. I didn't know. One opens actually at five, and the other thing opens at six. So, yeah, <laughs> it's it's understandable that they want to they want to close shop uh, shop at uh, six p.m. or something. One of my glow sticks worked. All the rest of them are dead. So yeah, they expire. Close. I had no idea. I didn't know either, but actually, I haven't played around with a glow stick for ages. So. I bought I bought it because I was doing a Lego uh, uh, art, and I needed like something to glow in. Yeah, if you want something glowing, uh, 
I just took some some action figure photos yesterday and literally used Christmas lights. <laughs> yep. As you a, need a little bit of little light on a little thing. Yeah. Christmas lights also. Or you can get these tiny, tiny, or these uh, these fake uh, fake candle, fake votive candles, and so on. Those things are quite useful for if you want a bit of light. <laughs> Lasers and glow sticks was my yeah for lasers glow you need glow sticks. Glow sticks are cheap. We're cheap. I don't know if they yeah uh, really. Uh, I mean, it's just funny that uh, that uh, when this chemistry teacher bought this glow stick, everybody was like, "Oh, that's so cool! That's so cool!" And one kid was like, "Can I have one? Can I have one? I want yeah. to take it to the to the club later and so on." And a few years later, they were ubiquitous. <laughs> well, um, I'll tell you, I I still whenever I. I haven't got any recently, but uh, carbon dioxide uh, ice. What's it called? Dry ice? Uh, yes. Showing that ice. to kids is super fun. And uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah you can like take it, it home, but be cool. careful they because it'll it, burn they've you. They've never seen it, and it's yeah, cool. Yeah, super cool. It's no longer as ubiquitous. Again, it's also for the good. I mean, you don't really need to, need to use it in a... You know, we know that carbon dioxide is not... That releasing too much of it is not good, and we really don't need to uh, well, waste it to, uh, uh, on a... Fork machines and something like that. Well, no, that's it's like um, they're, they're, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they used to have these uh, milk was it was fork machines and concerts, clubs, and uh, the, the fairground ground. They they a lot of the rides. Some of the rides had a kind of uh, had the, they would blast out dry dry ice uh, ice fork and. Uh, Across um, and then the whole ride would be kind of in uh, enveloped in this dry ice smoke. The Kraken ride did this, and a couple mm-hmm. of others as well. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it also makes for nice uh, makes for nice pictures. When the old Kraken ride, I think, actually still does it because the Kraken rides are very very old. They are, I think over over fifty. One of them actually broke while on our fun fair. They're very very well. Check, but they had a, but it was a hairline crack that uh, that the checks did not catch and it actually broke during during the fun fair. And the Kraken rides are like fifty years old almost, or or forty five, fifty years. So they're very very old and they still have this. And some of them still have this dry ice mechanism. It's fine. I'm surprised actually that you can still buy it, uh, buy it because no, um, it's used in commercial stuff all the time. Yeah, probably because um, because everybody's so panicky about CO CO. I mean, it's not carbon dioxide is not not uh, poisonous unless you get way too much of it and uh, much of it in your, yeah no but uh, because and everybody is so panicky about carbon dioxide, I'm still surprised that you can get dry eyes and also a lot of chemical stuff is controlled with control is uh, pretty strictly controlled. Try to buy what was it magnesium these magnesium ribbons which you can use to uh, which you can burn. I knew it from the chemistry class and I wanted to steal some in chemistry class, but I couldn't get into the but I, I didn't manage to be alone in the, the room. So I, I tried to buy one. Yeah, we wanted to, it was for, we wanted to, yes, we wanted to blow something up. Uh, oh, but I, all I potassium nitrate is what you need. Yeah, it was just, it was a, wanted to blow up a model of our school for our graduation. And, um, and because I was in the chemistry class, I, I said, and we, we saved um, firecrackers, and, but we needed a, but we needed a fuse. Did you know you can just use firecracker fuses out too short? Just use match heads. And then we tried making the, and then we tried getting, and I said, we said magnesium. uh, This magnesium ribbon would be best for the for the fuse. And I tried to, but I, 
couldn't get get some in the and I couldn't couldn't uh, snack some some from the from the chemistry lab at school because even though I was in the chemistry class and I sometimes helped carry things back, but I was never alone. In that. Later, the teacher told me you need to you have a distraction. Asked, you could have asked me; I would have given it to you. I know you. You're not you're not the sort of the person I, I would have given it to the guys, but I would have given it to you. He told hmm. he said later, but then we made our own. It was really was. Uh, Rip, it was some kind of string and, uh, well, cut, some kind of cotton or hemp string and we coated it in wax mixed with black powder from, uh, and so on. And Where'd it you get the black powder the from? But it very, very slow. And then, then it started burning this cardboard model of the school, school. It started burning this cardboard model and, but it did, uh, the cardboard model started to burn, but it didn't blow up. And then my friend and I would build this thing and spend hours building it. We were like, okay. This isn't going to work. We're getting water to extinguish it. And we went off to get water. And then there was a boom. And the thing actually went up. Went up, <laughs> And it uh, hit. There was a... Uh, there's always a day when you make... When the, the all of the graduate students, they make... Uh, or graduating, they, it's called Chaos Day. And that's what they do. They mess up the school as much as they can. And, wow. And some idiot had left open the, the gym. And, all, and we, we dragged all of the gym equipment out onto the school ground. So there was a, and we had a volleyball net and we had put it up uh, on the, in the middle of the school ground. And this uh, thing, and this um, model, model, it blew up and it hit the volleyball net and melted the volleyball net. And <laughs> the volleyball net had a, with a, with a hole was used for several more years at the school is what people told me. I never saw it blow up because I was going to, my friend and I were going to get water to extinguish it when it finally blew up because it took so long. So, the fuse so what I'm hearing is you blew up your school. <laughs> yeah, I blew up my school. I mean, this is a great Good. story, especially for, for students who go to school. They're like, okay, you know, I blew up the school once. Yeah, it was on your model. And I blew up a real volleyball net. And the funny thing was, years later, when I was teaching myself, I was in the break room, the teacher break room at the school. And I was I was teaching refugees, so I wasn't a regular member of staff, but I, I used the break, teacher break room for him to get coffee or I don't know what. And that was my old chemistry teacher. And I went <laughs> over to him and said, hey, and so on. And he looked at me. You're the one who blew up the volleyball net, aren't you? And I started laughing. I was like, oh, yes, that was me. Because um, I had an A in chemistry. I was really good. And I was like, yeah, that's the thing he remembers about. He blew up the volleyball net. Yep. He said, yes, it was me. me. And I started laughing. Practical said, use of laughing. chemistry. But you never laughed in school. I said, like, was like, wait a minute, did I never laugh in chemistry class? I can't even remember. Because <laughs> he said, like, you were always so serious and never laughed because I started laughing because that's the thing he remembered about. He said, I blew up the volleyball net. <laughs> Cute. But yeah, it was an interesting, it was an interesting experiment. At any rate, I tried to buy this magnesium, uh, rib, this magnesium ribbon and I couldn't buy one shop said, okay, we can sell it to you, but you have to buy like, uh, like I don't know what was it, five meters. I was way too much, way more than we needed. And the other shop said, no, we're not, I'm not selling to, I mean, okay, I wouldn't give to teenage, I wouldn't probably sell the stuff to two teenage girls either. Because <laughs> you don't know what they're going to do with it. Uh, well, what can you do? Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it was fun. Even if the book was not very good. Yeah, it was a bad book, but yeah, okay, but bad books happen. They do occasionally. Try not to have them, but um, how are you going to know unless you read it for yourself is my question, right? Mm. There so, was no real in, in indication that this one would be bad and started off really well, so there was no way to know. Yeah. Even if you read the PDF. Oh, man, it started off great. 
so good. Yeah, I still wish he would have written the book he was uh, he started to write, yeah. and not the one he finished writing. The one he finished, yeah. Uh, it's too bad we he wasn't around today, and I could scold him and say, "Why the fuck did you wreck this book? <laughs> you wrote why?" Um, uh, if he was still around, he would be quite old and probably would be like, uh, which book are you talking about? Or I don't remember. This is someone else I, I have know. here. Yeah, he was pretty he old. Came out, uh, but I'm not sure how old he would have been. He would have probably been... He, he, he wasn't very old when he died. No. He wasn't, no. Uh, he, Tall he people died die fairly, young. He died fairly... Oh, he's... He would be as old... He's, he's younger than my mom, actually. But he's half a year younger than my mom. So he would be... Uh, so he would be eighty. He would be eighty right now and turn eighty-one. He was sixty-six when he died. So yeah, he was waiting because this is not Crichton is not someone I think would be is the age of my mom. I was assumed he was older because he died so far so mm-hmm. young. Oh well, I look forward to his next book, even though this one was terrible. Yeah, I hope the next one is better, but of course, I expect it's, oh, it will be. I mean, how many we read so far? Like five or so. Right? This is the first bad one. We had four or five, and all of them were good. Yeah, even uh, the yeah. really short one. Uh, what was it? The sw- let's say swimming Why one. I? Uh, oh, no, Grave Descent. Grave Descent. Uh, yeah, even that was good. And that even it was slight, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It was fun. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one, even though this one was bad. Yeah, okay. We'll see if it, I hope he gets better. Yeah. But, I mean, he can, we know he's, we know he can write. We know yes. he can write. I mean, we wrote good books. Mm-hmm. Books that actually got bad late in life or later. I, I don't want to read Disclosure, but I do want to read pa- Pirate Latitudes and I want to, I want to Pirate try. Pirate Latitudes, I think, is, used to be, is an old one. It wasn't, it, it was rediscovered later. Yeah, maybe. It was not published. Yeah. It was, that right. it was rediscovered, but it was an old man. Pirate Latitudes probably is good. Yeah. Is good, but, um, the we stuff hope. that uh, it's uh, think Jurassic Park and uh, around that time he gets worse, and then we get stuff like disclosure or state of fear. Or I want to I want to read state of fear because um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of it's probably there's probably a lot to discuss about. <laughs> yeah, about. and the thing is, is you know, global warming is not, or as they call it now, climate change. It's not um, as simple as just signing on to like oh, carbon dioxide is bad it's, yeah, it's quite it's, complex uh, a lot of these climate a lot of this climate change we are we are hit by really terrible they call themselves the last generation and they're just terrible people these climate change anti-climate change activists and they're it's way too simple it's way too simple well it's it's there's you know also they have no solutions and they don't want solutions they just think like okay if we are if we are gluing ourselves to a to a road at, at rush hour that's, that's really going to show well yeah, there's yeah. there's there's you know the the big problem is there's big evil oil companies right and yeah they, the problem are not uh, interestingly i i heard somewhere that these people are financed by the oil company so i i strongly suspect they're sort of a false there's that there's that there's that, but the there's terrible. also the other end, which is like, um, this is a very complex system, right? As com- as complex as a human body, perhaps not, but very, very complex system on the planet, right? Um, we only have the one example, <laughs> and yeah. we only also, have we only have one. And also, um, the thing is, is we don't have we know that it used to be much warmer. Yes, and uh, much warmer. warmer. But we don't have exact. We don't have. We have. 
where we can tell, but we don't have exact data. We have the exact data from a time which was uh, which was a cool period, and now we're getting getting into a warmer period. But that's the only example we have. We don't have uh, we don't have have any because uh, the the systematic climate climate observations uh, observations uh, don't start until the 19th century. We don't really have a lot of. We have some descriptions earlier. We have uh, we know that. We have, but we and we know of of things, and but um, that's the thing. We don't really uh, don't really have a lot of uh, a lot of comparison. Mm-hmm. There's, well, yeah, there's a, I mean, a, I'm I'm not really keen on what no state of fear. Sorry, I'm well, getting these, these later Crichtons mixed up. Well, I, I haven't read it. Actually, be good because it's. We'll deal with that 90, at a later date. 1970s or 80s. That might actually be good. It could also, be. Also, pirates. Yeah, can be can possibly be bad. Well, he's interested in history, and he likes the Caribbean. Yeah. So, and I'm interested in history, and I like the Car- Caribbean. So yeah, so that's, that's uh, also, yeah, I mean, it's pirates, it's Caribbean, it's history, that's, that's how, that is, it's, it's, it's possible to write bad pirate books, but uh, I suspect Crichton didn't write a bad one at that, at, well, at least not in the 1780s. We don't know, we wrote, he wrote this thing. We'll worry about that <laughs> when we get there, but um, yeah. I, I'm, I think there's still plenty more to read. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Have a good yeah. one. Good you night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFF audio. Make room. All right. Make room, make room, which is a different thing. Yeah. That's a different book. It is. All right. Is not, I don't know where Alex is. is. I'm going to just see if he's going to join us. Oh, boy. <laughs> could, we, could we be the Jesse and Paul show? No, Cora's coming. She's she, oh, wait. she's eating a cake. Uh, yeah, cake. Are you joining us today? Uh, keep on trying. Joining. Why is joining spelled wrong? Join. Oh, because there needs to be an extra I. Keep on trying to you run out of cake. And the science gets done. Are you joining us today? Question mark. And all right. Um, so where did you went to a convention? Is that right? Um, yes. Although I didn't spend as much time in the convention, I was spending more time doing other things in Chicago. Okay. But 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 the excuse to go was to go to Capricorn. Yes. Capricorn. Cap. That's the name of the. That's Battlestar the name Galactica the, convention. Well, Capricorn. Well. I mean Capricorn as in Capricorn. They're, they're the mascot of the of the is is a horned humanoid goat like creature. So okay. <laughs> the Capricious Goat, yes. So it's it's a small little science fiction convention in the Chicago area every uh February. Sean helps run programming. So, uh, all right. So um, yeah, so I think uh, let me just. So while 
well, Chicago may not be the destination you think of for February, you know, <laughs> for various reasons. You know, is it if you want if you want to go to Chicago in the winter, or want to go? It Capricorn's a reason to do so and get Chicago food and culture and stuff in the meantime, you know, at the same time. So it was weird to be on a convention where I wasn't on program. It was like the first time since 2016, maybe, that I've gone to a convention where I was not on the programming. Was that more relaxing? Oh, uh, it also felt weird. Like, like, I kept thinking, oh, I have, I could, I could really have a contribution to this, but yeah, it was relaxing because you know, I didn't have to be anywhere, so I could do what I, I could do what I wanted. I could attend as little programming as I wanted. <laughs> thing, seriously, because I, I wasn't tied to things. I like, I like that it's as little rather than as much. <laughs> well, it was a different. I mean, I've never been to this con before, so it was a way oh, to. Okay. Way to learn about the con in a low, in a low uh, pressure format. So you know, I told Sean, yes, if I go next year, you can put me on programming. So what was the what was the length of it? Was it just a weekend? Yeah. And how did you get there? I drove. How long is that a drive? Six and a half hours. Oof. Long well, on, on the way back, I started the veteran business. Oh well, uh, sorry and, about and, that. And, and, and got, well, um, I believe the phrase is "save it for the podcast." I I teed you up for that one. You 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 you, you did. I feel speaking like of right. which, um, I'm looking forward to the next one, uh, Rocket Ship Galileo, but I'm probably going to be on the island when we record that. So I okay need to get some uh, on the island. Let me just see if I have it on my. F- hard drive here um i do have i I think i actually have it on audible so i might be okay without even sending it to me but other people other people are not but i believe i got an audible long ago let me check that while we're since we're waiting for cora let me check to see i actually have is that two words or one rocket rocket chip is two words i believe start with rocket rocket chip galileo this item is in your library. Yes. Two words? Yes. Narrated by Spider Robinson of all people? Okay, that's a strange choice. No, he was he was um I know he was big I know he was big into Heinlein. I remember the essays, like rah rah rah. He was big into Heinlein uh when they were rec- recording a bunch of Heinlein audiobooks. So that's why. He also did Variable Star, which is uh, I think a collab. Yeah. There it is. Rocket ship Galileo. Okay. Oh, looks like I might have more than one. There's the Robinson one. Who's who did this one? Download it. It downloads to my phone now while I'm thinking. Yeah. Blackstone Audiobooks presents Rocket Ship Galileo. That'd be him. All right. And then. It looks like I had more than one of them, though. Is more than one person narrated this thing? No, Possibly. I don't think so. Um, I th- I think I just had more than one rocket space ship. Rocket man burning on the suits of everyone. Aha! I just saw I just saw Chris tweet. 
Aha. There it is. Okay, so what I'll do... 1947. Um, there was a tweet last night um, showing an association copy of this, of the original uh, hardcover. Um, you also got a chicken dinner. Ah, uh, yeah. Chicken dinner. So, so um, apparently there's polar bears on a new map now? Yeah, I went looking for it, but we got killed, so. You got killed before you got the co you, you don't get, get to, by... You don't get to choose the map, so you have to. Right, I remember. Right map. It's been a while since I played PUBG. I noticed. Um, how do I make this into one big file? MP3 cutter joiner. That'd be the one. MP3 cutter joiner. Add. And it's a folder called 1947. How am I going to find that? Oh, boy. One yeah, nine four seven, enter. Rocket ship Galileo. That looks like the right one. Rocket ship. All right, I think I got it. Each chapter has a a name. That's a sign of a quality book, Paul. Um, it's a sign of a style of book that is a little out of fashion, but not completely. A book I'm reading now does that. It has it's a chapter, sign of a quality book. It, it, it has it has chapter uh, it has chapter uh, heading it has chapter names for it. Let me see if I can actually. Um, maybe I download to my. Uh, let's see. Um, which I actually should put it on my phone just in case. Uh, the book I'm reading just in case I can switch over. Um, no library. Ship. Where is Galileo? That's that's not the book. That's not the book. Do do do. Um. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Hmm. Furious heaven. Hmm. So it's probably going to take me. So. So the, so the chapter, the chapter I, I'm about to start is called, If a wily Persephone is dragged in a lounge and there are no rackmates around to hear it, does it really count as an own? <laughs> okay, that is a long chapter title. That is a long chapter title. I'm going to guess this is a tour book. Um, it is a tour book. I knew it! A forthcoming uh, tour book. Well, they're almost all tour books now, so... No, they're not. What percentage of books that you're getting that are new are not tour books? Um, lots of uh, lots of uh, small publisher stuff. Oh, I'm uh, asking for percentage, Paul. I don't. I don't know because I don't. I don't calculate percentages of. Uh, well, is it more publisher. than half? Tour alone, no. Really? Um, tour, Orbit, Harper Voyager. Indie publications. Um, I get lots of I get lots of British books. Do you? Um, Glance, yeah. Hmm. Glance and publishers like that, yeah. Because I do like a lot of British writers, so right. I get a I get a variety, a medley. Uh, a, a medley. A medley. I mean, the last book I finished in audio, not the 
not the one we're going to talk about, was a Orbit book. That would be uh, The Ivory Tomb, a series book, so you would never read it. Third and third and final in the series, as a matter of fact. Wow. Of course. Coffee cake looks good. Yeah, the pear cake. A coffee and a cake. Damn. Um, I can't really get it here, but on the East Coast, there's a brand called Entenmann's, and they had a really good coffee cake that I always really liked. But they don't have Entenmann's coffee cake here in the I Midwest. Think Eric probably mentioned it or something. They're, they're, they're barbarians here in the Midwest. They don't have they don't have Entenmann's, and they don't have Drake's cakes. Probably better for my um, diet, but you know, so it goes. I gotta say though, I, I um, my friends, friends and uh, acquaintances who keep taking pictures of Vancouver keep me making me think I'm missing out by not going to. Going up to your neck of the woods. If you like rain, we got some. Um, um, I like rain enough that uh, droughts aren't, aren't don't happen. <laughs> yeah, we don't have droughts exactly. We do have like dry, like it was very dry this summer, but it's not a drought exactly because we have mountains with rivers, so it it can cause uh, you know forest fires, but it's not. A drought. Yes, I know about your forest fires. Um, Not just ours. Uh, Seattle and Utah and I, you mean Idaho? Utah really Oregon. Forest fi- many Oregon. Uh, Oregon. Most, yes, I know, I know. I know about Oregon forest fires. Um, mostly, it's it's Washington State. But yeah, some some British Columbia ones. But, you know, I need more mountains in my life. I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what your terrain is like there. So, Minnesota is flat. Is it? It is flat in the in the east. It is it is forest when it's not urban. Uh, the no, the north north shore has things they call mountains, but nobody outside of Minnesota would call the Sawtooth Mountains mountains. They're just big hills. Hmm. I mean, that's where I go for fall colors. It's a nice view, but it's not a, really a mountain by anybody's standard. Uh, um, maybe by England's standards. Maybe um, they are over a thousand feet. So, yeah, by by big English standards. What about what about the general altitude of of the state itself? Um, it's only a few hundred feet above sea level. I really? Mean, oh. Yeah. Well, it, it's hot. It's higher than zero because you know the Mississippi River starts here and flows down to this to the Gulf. Yeah. So, so it's only a few hundred feet above sea level. That's interesting. So it's, no, so it's there's no uh, there's nothing at sea level, but yeah, but it's not high enough to actually matter for any any purposes whatsoever. Um, Cora is now finished with her cake, so I'm going to add her in. So, see. So yeah, but. And, and the west part of the state is all prairie, uh, which goes that goes into the Great Plains. Yeah. So, how would you distinction make the distinction between prairie and plains? Um, they're synonyms. Uh, they're, syn- they're synonyms, but uh, the high plains and the high prairie are prairie. I think of as more wild. Plains is more. Plains is where activity. you find Clint Eastwood. Um, Plains is, I, yeah, maybe High Plains Drifter. Thank you. Um, 
but anyway, so anyway, so yeah, so west west of west of the forest is the plains or the prairie, whatever you like to call it. And yeah, Minnesota Minnesota has some topography, but very very little some and no mountains. Cora, well, do, yeah. do you? Uh... You probably have more mountains than we do. Um, Hi, by the in, way. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yes, in the black. I mean, um, the highest thing, the highest elevation here is, I think, seventy meters above sea level. Wow, seventy. Level. And it's called high mountain. Literally, it's called more back high mountain. Seventy meters of sea level is two hundred fifty feet. Yeah, it's uh, we are we are, I'm I'm northern Germany is extremely flat. Parts are below sea level. I think. Uh, I live at, I think, seven or eight meters above sea level, which is okay. high for here. Mm-hmm. So we're extremely, extremely flat. And the 70 meters is uh, the highest. And if you drive um, south about 100 kilometers, then you get to Porto Westfalica, and there you have mountains which are three, uh, 300, 200, 300 meters high. Well, not mountains, mountains either, but they're high by our standards. We have this high mountain thing and it's 70 meters. And they put an observation tower on top. On top. <laughs> and yeah, it's a 70 meter. It's, a, it's a, because we're in the, we're in a glacial valley. So it's, it's very, very low lying. We're in an ancient glacial valley and this, um, this high mountain was the edge of the glacial valley. And uh, they, and they, they literally put an observation tower on top. And I think the observation tower gets it up to, I don't know, maybe 80 meters or something. <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, what kind but of coffee have you got there, Cora? Because it doesn't look like uh, normal coffee. It's, a, it's, some, it's, a cappuccino, it's some kind of chocolate cappuccino thing. Chocolate cappuccino. Wow. Yes, chocolate cappuccino. And um, I just had, uh, you will probably see the picture, I've had pear, pear butter. Butter yeah. cake was so when you said you saw your cousin's daughter, or yes, uh, she moved. She just moved into the neighborhood, and I didn't know this because uh-huh. my cousin didn't. Um, but you didn't I, call I, her I your second cousin. No, I was literally yes, she's my second cousin. So, so I was was go, was going across the parking lot because um, I was at the hospital to visit my mom, and then I, then we said, and then my dad and I drove home and said, like, oh, well, well, we'll have some cake. And I went to the bakery to get cake. And suddenly someone says, hello, Cora. And I look and say, hey, wait a minute. I know you. And then, ah, Zara. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, uh, I haven't seen her in maybe two years. She just broke up with her. I think they were actually married with her husband. Oh. Uh, it was her husband, not her boyfriend. And she was a bit. And so I talked to her and said, I'll come over if you want to and so on. <laughs> then I didn't know because her cousin didn't. My cousin didn't didn't tell me that. He told her that, that oh, we are living close by, but he didn't tell me. I sometimes talk to him, but uh, but we're not. He's a, he's a my cousin's a politician. He's oh. in the yes, he's in the Bremen. Well, it's, it has about the same rank. So he's about the same rank as a state representative in the UK in the US. We would. He actually was run, He actually ran for the national parliament once, but wasn't elected. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, we're the, the highest point. Up. The highest point around here is 300 meters high in St. Paul. At a, but then again, but the but but the lowest point is like 250 meters. So yeah, it's not very. There's not a no, lot of the, difference. Isn't there not a lot of topography? No. We're yes. just high. We're just high because we're at the top end of the Mississippi, and the Mississippi has to flow downhill all the way to the yeah. sea. Exactly. That's uh, so. 
like I said, it's uh, here you have to go about 100, 120 kilometers south. Uh, then you start to get, uh, for example, Connor, already, Connor has some. They're not really high, but Connor has mountains which are maybe 300, 400 meters high. Uh, we don't have any of that. We have this 17 meter high. And there's another one, one on the other side. I think that's the other side of the glacial valley, via Berg, which is also like 70, 80 meters high. And there's, oh yes, the Wilsiller Berg. I think that's also maybe 70, 80 meters high, which is uh, a bit further off. The, but they're all called, literally, they're all called a mountain. I think the high mountain is the most, is the funniest one because it's literally called high mountain and it's like 70 meters high. <laughs> so, so, so see, Jesse, you win because you can, you have, you have real mountains right by you. Yeah, you have actual mountains. <laughs> by anybody's, by any, no. by any definition, you can go get, you can go climb a mountain. We cannot. Yeah, it's, uh, go climb is, um, it's like we were talking about, uh, first jobs or whatever on Twitter. Paper yeah. boy delivering up a mountain and down a mountain every morning at 5 a.m. Not fucking fun. I'll tell you that. Oh, boy. Especially in the winter <laughs> with ice. You break things. Yeah, it's... Uh, they're pretty. And they give us water. <laughs> so... I would like to see them and investigate them and photograph them. Well, you, you could. They're uh, good yeah. for, I'm pretty sure they're good for photographing. I'm a bit, uh, well, I mean, um, it's uh, for hiking and so on, but I'm a bit, but I'm not into mountain climbing. I'm always a bit, care bit careful because, I mean, I know that tourists in the Alps tend to, there's always issues with tourists getting lost or falling into crevasses or whatever. Yeah, that happens here too. Peep, 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 peep. <laughs> I mean, isn't actor Julian Stan still missing? I think he is. Oh, really? He is. I mean, uh, he is, he's uh, just, uh, they were like, uh, we may not like the outcome. I think, well, he's... <laughs> How long has yeah, he been missing? Yeah, yeah, if, I... oh, if they're ever going to find him, they will find him eventually. Eventually, uh, I mean, I think he's still in one piece is probably a good outcome because he's very likely dead. Yeah. When did he disappear? <sighs> Sometime again. It was, it was when the nasty, when, when that nasty storm hit California. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is also, if he's okay, been gone a month, he's dead. Hiking. That wet, well, well, why are you hiking in that in those conditions? Yes, yes. that's that. That's no, it wouldn't. Like normally, but, uh, that's. I mean, I am someone who wanted to visit uh, Bavaria and Austria, and I said, okay, if you want to go to the mountains, just to, please go to the information desk, information stations first, and talk to the people there with weather, because the weather can change rapidly, and you don't want to be rescued. You want to be, be this person who needs to be rescued. And the, I mean, mountain rescue is quite efficient, but you don't want to be that person. So. So listen to them; they know better better than you do. Because yeah, don't be that guy. Speaking of yeah. not being that guy, I got to be that guy and ask Cora. Um, you just retweeted something uh, that's interesting. Some somebody kickstarting something. Um, the cover of the magazine is "Beneath Ceaseless Skies." There's a uh, oh, BCS, yeah. Yeah, um, and there's a guy. Yeah, no, it's not. It's it's also who is in Beneath Ceaseless. He's been in Beneath Ceaseless Skies, and now. Uh, Kickstarting all. Um, I will have an article in the magazine if it funds. Uh, well, together with Michael uh -huh. and uh, that's one of his authors who's in beneath ceaseless skies. But so I'm interested in the cover. So the art on yeah. the cover is quite nice. It's it's got uh, beneath ceaseless skies has very nice art. On this particular tweet, though, I don't I don't know if this is a future issue or whatever. But so there's a uh, uh, mountains and trees and and mm -hmm. probably a wizard and a dog. And then there's a giant 
a stone giant, I guess, uh, walking off the down the valley. Oh, oh, I, oh, 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 oh yes, it's beneath his yeah. eyes. I'm not sure yeah, if that's a stone giant so, or something but else. But they have, they have good covers. Well, it's know. made out of stone, right? So I would Maybe. say it's a stone yeah, giant. It's, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I'm but not saying it's a Dungeons and Dragons giant. Why not? Yeah, yeah, I do like I do like those very um, peaky mountains that are just blurred in the background, so mm. they're not the focal point, but they're like, hey, look, mountains. Uh, no, it's a in a very evocative cover, but I have a problem with this cover, and I want you to, guys to try and figure out what my problem is. What? Um, just looking at it, what's the problem with this cover that Jesse would have? There's actually two problems, but only one of them, I think, is uh, semi-significant. <laughs> I'm not quite sure, Jesse. Um, the, the trees, which are, but uh, I think the, the trees have been knocked over because a lion has knocked them over. Yeah, it doesn't. They're sort of willy-nilly knocked over. So I, I, I thought. Yeah, that was it's a bit weird. They weird knocked over. They don't look like, and also they look a bit out of. I mean, the, the lion is further away, but uh, the scale. He's, cr- is he's so heavy. High. He's crushing the ground and making the. Uh, yeah, I don't he would know. crush every. He would probably crush every. Not clear. Um, you know what? I, I just noticed that, like, some of those trees look like they're fo- painted, and some of them look like they're uh, from a photograph. Not that that was my problem either. Well, um, uh, it's probably a mix of the, he prob- it's probably yeah. someone who used some photos and oh, yeah. uh, and copied them. It's into a nice picture, these. though, right? Mm-hmm. Other than you know, uh, other than what? Uh, well, it's actually the word literary that's bothering me. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 why is the word literary? But that's how they build themselves. Yeah, but why? Uh, you have to ask, uh, what's his name? Scott Scott Andrews, the editor. <laughs> yeah. Whom I don't. I mean, we've been on the, the Hugo Ballot together with Scott Andrews, Paul and I, but um, I've never yeah. met him or talked to him. I don't know if Paul has, but I have never met him. Um, him. I may have talked to him at one world yeah. con or another. So but, the word literary bothers me. Also, the font. Uh, kind of is not. Yeah, the font is a bit dull. Not it's amazing, dull. but yeah, it's, it's the word literary. Because I was like thinking, well, why do people put that on there? And I think the reason is, um, to tell it's it's got fiction in it, right? It's got words in it <laughs> rather than. I mean, like adventure a, fantasy will probably say yeah, it's words, but it. But exactly. he's, but uh, Beneath the Skies has been built as a magazine of literary adventure fantasy for almost mm-hmm. as long as I can as I can remember. But what's the opposite either. of literary? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe pulpy adventure. That's fantasy. correct. Yeah, really, That's correct. Yeah, it's not really uh, opposite either, or non-fiction adventure. Fantasy, no, but you you got it in one. That would be silly. It is pulp, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so pulp versus literary. Like, I think this book is, it's signaling to the audience, hey, 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 we're this, not that. And I, yeah. I was like thinking, uh, that's the same thing that what ones that say, you know, Pulp Adventure magazine, <laughs> Pulp Adventure fantasy, or heroic fantasy. Uh, I mean, Beneath Season Skies is one of the few, um, few pro markets uh, that take things like sword and sorcery or. Weird fiction is a bit easier, but. but they only uh, take literary, so not pulp. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, the contents are not not always that little. The contents are also it's just. Uh, um, I think what they want to say is like, okay, we do the good. We have the good adventure fantasy stuff, but um, the good stuff, uh, not the bad better, stuff. But it's it's. Uh, they want probably want to say like it's better written than a bad bad Conan pastiche. But okay, that's not really a 
being better than Lynn Carter is not really a challenge. <laughs> Come on now. He's a nice guy. Uh, okay. He has good taste. He has an excellent editor. Lynn Carter was an excellent editor, but he was a pretty terrible writer. Well, you know, Especially earlier. He was bad, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a tell. He was a. I mean, for Galactic Journey, he was I unneeded. Two, <laughs> I did two Lynn Carter books and said I'm not going to. And others, uh, and the other people, bow, people bailed after one or even half a book. I, mm. I did two and said, sorry, I'm not doing. I'm, unless he gets a lot better, I'm not doing him again. <laughs> just so. Just I, I think my favorite was the breasts like warm white fruit. Was like a little, like it was, what? It was a description of a woman. A naked Breasts girl, a naked like woman. what? Warm white food. Food? Which is like, what is it? Warm it white food? Warm white food. 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 Like apples or whatever. Of course, they're not That's white. That's really fucking bad. Yeah, it's it's like, what's that? White yeah. food? <laughs> rice? What is it? Yeah, I think it's... Uh, you can get in in the Chinese restaurants here. You can sometimes get litchis, which uh, which are um, which are kind of deep fried litchis. That's, uh, That's kind really of bad writing. Uh, and this is probably what the warm white fruit look like. The next time I have those, I should uh, if I should ever have those litchis again, I will probably pull out something like breasts, like warm white fruit. Wow. <laughs> Also, uh, so are you saying that Lynn Carter couldn't get published in Beneath Ceaseless Skies? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I think since he's dead, he won't be published. But I'm pretty sure they pretty maybe sure they dig they up some it. old document that hasn't been published in ever, and <laughs> they say they, think, uh, somebody uh, submits I think it. Is sitting on the, Lynn, on the Lynn Carter estate, and uh, they uh, <laughs> don't think so, the Lynn Carter, but he he has wrote it. There actually is, I think, in what was it? Thoughts and Sorcery magazine or Heroic Fantasy Quarterly? They actually had a had a, a song. Uh, what's his name? Song was a barbarian. The Lynn Carter Longer, Conan yeah. clone. Mm-hmm. And actually, they had a new story about this guy by Robert Price, which is like, okay, I know he has an estate, but who on earth was waiting for a new song or story? I can't imagine anybody was waiting for a new. Well, one. you know, completists. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, what was it? Heroic Fantasy. I think it's either. Heroic Fantasy, <coughs> sorry, Quarterly or Sorting Sorcery Magazine. I forgot which one it is of the two. Hmm. Well, I think we can get started. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. get started. All right. Yeah. Um, before we do, I just want to uh, remind people what's coming up. Venom Business today, Rocket Ship Galileo next week, Unseen Unfeared in three weeks, Hopkins Manuscript. Only Paul and I have signed up for that yet. Uh, Crawlers by Philip K. Dick, Golden Slave, Four Day Planet, and uh, that's it. So, Cora, the next one you're scheduled for is. Uh, I'm just about to check it. I'm just trying to check it out. Three twenty six Four Day Planet. That's the next one you're okay. listed for. Yeah, Piper. I'll see if I want to do any. any well, that's the thing is. Um, I think we should. Uh, What's the goats? Oh yeah, we have the golden slaves. You have enough. It's people, uh, sword and sandal. What is that? Sword and it's sandal. Ah, oh, that so, might actually be interesting. Yeah, it's historic, so it should be interesting. Yeah, it's novel. Because and, and doesn't a sort of of he's hit and miss for me, but um, but um, his historical fa- his historics and fantasies are usually quite good. Mm-hmm. And Hopefully the and the science fiction is yeah. hit and miss. Yeah, I, I'm I'm the Paul Anderson fan, fan on this podcast. I think he's. Sometimes good. 
Uh, and I, I like sword and sandal. I, 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 I know Scott likes them. This is I do because I introduced I introduced Scott to it, the goodness of himself. Really, I'm very. Well, remember when we, when we when we when we when we did um the broken sword? Yeah, I don't. I, and he started reading some others. Well, yeah, but I I think he was well aware of Paul Anderson. But if he had not read read him before, but anyway, maybe that book. But I yeah, mean, uh, I don't know. Paul Anderson is sort of he. He used to be literally ubiquitous. When I went to the yeah. when I was a teenager and started reading English books and went to the, the which is why I've read a lot of uh, Paul Anderson because at the import bookstore, the one thing you could always count on there was a Paul Anderson books there. Always. Yeah, he and was so very I've, I've read quite a few of them. Very prolific author, and mm. it made for. Uh, a lot of books in the bookstore and mm-hmm. you know they seemed like interesting books he's he can be very good but he's not the best yeah he's, he's not he's, consistently he's, um, awesome no he's, he's he was very prolific and some he's written some very very good books and also some pretty forgettable ones sad story. and also things which have have um, just uh, been uh, which uh, which were better at the, when they were published. I mean, um, what was it? I did, I reviewed, uh, the, uh, the first of the Orbit anthologies by Damon Knight for the Lackey's Journey. And actually, the best story in the anthology was the Paul Anderson story, which I did not expect at all. I was like, okay, Paul Anderson, it's going to be at least He readable. can be very good. Uh, but I've... he was, that was a really, really good. I was like, okay, so this is a really, this is the best story in this anthology. And Paul Anderson's story was the best story in the anthology. Which story was? There were other good ones. I mean, okay, Orbit 1 was not really as good as the, I think the, the, the 2 to 4 or 5 were the best ones, but someone else did the Orbit 2, so. I didn't didn't do that one, but it was like literally the Paul Anderson story was the best, and I got dinged for for um, criticizing uh, James Bliss story, even though I oh yes, I remember that yeah yeah I got dinged for criticizing the James Bliss story, and I, I actually I didn't even I wasn't that negative about it. I, I was kind of I was uh, I was actually I was not completely negative about the James Bliss and Thomas and this especially this story. I've I'm not a Bliss fan. I'm not a Dish fan. So. So I was no blish, no desperately dish. trying to be fair to both of them. That sounds like a podcast. No, no blish, no, no dish. No blish, no dish. Yeah, no blish, no dish. So we, we, <laughs> we cover all science fiction, just not those two authors. <laughs> uh, they're probably authors I would be less willing to read, but blish and yeah, dish. Yeah, you know, uh, you know there's very, a lot of literary podcasts out now. Dish, but um, not that I had many. the misfortune of reading one of his uh, reading and really really terrible essay by him and i just can't get beyond this beyond this terrible essay i was reading it when i was doing my ma thesis and it was just absolutely like oh fantasy is for children and for immigrants again those irish people they still believe in leprechauns and he wrote that shit in the 70s <laughs> literally yeah. oh the irish people those yeah. irish immigrants believe in leprechauns it was like okay honestly your anti-irish sentiments by the 1970s are like 50 years out of date Get over it, man. <laughs> and oh, all the science fiction is embarrassing and terrible, except the stuff that I and my friends write. And then he he, he dinged uh, a couple of up-and-comers, oh, they're also terrible. George R. Martin, I think, who actually hit back. And Ronda McIntyre, oh, they're all terrible. Everybody's terrible except Thomas Dish and his friends. And yeah, it was just, just, a, it was just a terrible, terrible essay. Speaking of <laughs> so, terrible. This has turned into dishes, turn, uh, core dishes on dish. But yes, we probably should talk about the random business yeah, now. But we're talking about the how, how dare you call this book terrible? 
Um, um, but um, save it for the podcast. Yeah, we're running out of John Lang books. Uh, yeah, so that might be a good thing at this point. How dare you? Um, save it for the <laughs> podcast. Dare. We can John Lang. No, no, we're starting now. Here we go. Ready, Paul? You got your recorder yes. going? Okay, here we, here we go. Um, yes, I do.